Dude, every time I hear that, man, that's so sick. Listen, guys, me and Brian were sitting down here in, uh, where are we at? I don't know, San Diego somewhere? Yeah. 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 We're, near, we're near where Trav lives. Yeah, we're down there here where uh, Travis lives. And uh, that being said, we're sitting here with Spencer Lilywhite. Really quick, guys, we've got to give a shout-out to our supporters that help us produce this podcast. This podcast, uh, Victory Archery, the Carbonell Experts. If you ain't shooting VAPs, you're last. And that's, a tri- that, that's without a fact, that's a truth. Uh, next one. Archery Geek Custom Strings. Use promo code R2R to get 15% off your next order. Uh, <clears throat> make sure you, you give uh, Evan a call. That kid makes top-notch strings. I got a set of X99 on my bow. Badass colors. Brian's got a set being made up. Spencer, for being on this podcast, I'll make sure I get you a set of strings. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, big shout-out to Drew over at Tricer USA. The fastest, lightest, and most simple bipod, tripod glassing system on the, mo- on the market. Make sure you use R2R promo code for a discount at your checkout. And uh, also, last but not least, make sure you check out Fly Down Custom Calls for your next custom box call, slate call. And I do believe he's working on a diaphragm call, which uh, ties right into this because, Spencer, you just got back from your elk hunt. You're using them diaphragm calls left and right. Maybe Josh can hook you up. I don't know. Go ahead, man. Tell us about yourself, bud. Yeah. Well, if he uh, if he has an elk call, I'll definitely give it a give it a gander. I don't know if he does, but maybe he can make you one. They're uh, they're pretty dang similar to turkey calls. Yeah, I, I know when we had him on the podcast, he was talking about uh, actually making diaphragm calls. So, I mean, he had brought over a slate call and he had called over, or he brought over a box call, which prior to Brian joining the podcast, he had entered to win, which a lot of you guys didn't, but, you know, it is what it is. I got three of those diaphragm calls, and I'm not the best turkey caller, but they sound good. Yeah, there you go. But, you, go. you know, Brian was w- the lucky winner on this, and, and I swear it wasn't set up. It was just Word a coincidence. <laughs> it is what it is, but, bro, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. So, um, live in San Diego, uh, grew up in Northern California, started hunting, when I was in college, uh, buddy was just like, hey, you know what would be super cool and really manly and badass is if we went deer hunting. And I was like, oh, yeah, don't you need to get, like, hunter safety and, like, buy a tag and stuff? So he was like, yeah, I think so. So that's, like, kind of where we started. Um, hunted hard that year in the A-Zone. I went to college in uh, San Luis Obispo at Cal Poly. Oh, there you go. And uh, didn't see anything there. Then a buddy from back home was like i uh, ca- uh, caught up with this guy and he's like oh you know what if i've got a bunch of deer on my land if you want to go shoot one so i did uh that was in like d3 or something like that kind of where i grew up uh so the first year i ever deer hunted i shot like a really nice four by three so i kind of got jaded uh oh, it was like go. it was like one of those like private land hop out of the truck shoot like yeah well, yeah like private property yeah 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 especially up there private well i uh, probably like here private too property. <laughs> you know i mean you still you still have to like yeah, yeah pull the wool a over a wild animal 100 yeah. percent. but you're not dealing with uh 500 500 other people some of them like who suck at hunting and they're bumping them out of the county you know yeah. so you know it's a different game uh then in like 2016 i went on my first elk hunt which was again another truck hunt it was on uh indian land um it was cool though it was like 650 bucks for the tag right and then um it was almost like guaranteed and like guaranteed hunts are kind of fun like the first time you do them right and then it's kind of like wow 
it like you know loses its magic right but um I got a cow out of that though which was fun and that was like the i think the first time i like really fell in love with elk right uh just seeing these animals the size of like horses oh yeah running around this, uh, this was, was just with incredible. the rifle this was with a rifle yeah, yeah we hunted three days and uh this was northern new mexico um was that 650 bucks including like everything or did you have that to was, buy a tag? that was a, that was the tag and that covered tag and license so that's like the same price as tag and license for i think now they've raised it up to 850 oh whatever but it's still pretty reasonable for deal. like yeah for uh, a cow for i mean yeah for me the only the only rub is then you have to hire a tribal member as your guide how much was that like 200 bucks a day not too get, not too bad yeah. so i mean you're talking like for guaranteed elk meat, like, you know, 1400 bucks, which is like, pretty good. That's not bad. If you want to go hunt Montana, it's like 1100 bucks for your tag. Just so it's like there, yeah. just to get out there and probably like <clears throat> not cut one. So, um, you know, kind of two, two successful hunts, like to start off with in my career, <laughs> career. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is, you know, but yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? No. And then, then it was like, okay, like I want to get actually serious about this and like learn. Because those weren't really learning experiences. Those were kind of just driving around in a truck with someone. Yeah. Um, so in 2018, hunted D16. Got pretty close to a couple of deer. Had an opportunity on a buck at like 60 yards, but kind of like last light situation. Yeah. And I didn't want to, didn't want to like do anything silly. This was with your bow? This was, No, this was rifle. Oh, at 60 yards? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, it was, was like it was crazy. Dark. It was yeah. dark. Yeah. It was, it was <laughs> it pretty was dark. dark. Yeah. yeah. It was like still like I looked up the tables. It was still legal light. Yeah. But yeah. I. I'm like, I'm not like, th- I'm not one of those guys who's thirsty to cut a tag. I'm thirsty to get out there and see animals mm-hmm. and get good opportunities. And if the right opportunity comes up, then I know I'm not going to deal with like, oh man, I like pulled it, you right. know, I was forcing something, then I gut shot it. It's like, yep. I, I'm, I, I err on the side of caution probably to a fault. Uh, so that was cool. Then last year, last year I was my first year ever elk hunting. Yeah. Came back home uh, and didn't have a lot of hunting days left in D sixteen because uh, I'm married and I wanted to stay that way. Yeah. So I think <laughs> I think I hunted like seven I days last pain. year. Yeah. Oh, you only you got back from your elk hunt and only hunted seven days locally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, only yeah. Hunt, I only hunted like seven days well, for D sixteen. But a buddy and I killed one though, which was cool. Yeah. yeah I, that's like, awesome. I, yeah, I gla- I like east got of the spot and like you know twisted his arm and was like, hey, get your butt out here. I think there's deer out here. He glassed right. one up and then. We uh, put a stock on it and killed it, so that was cool. Dude, that's um, awesome. That was yeah, that was like my first time being part of a successful D sixteen hunt, which was pretty yeah. neat. Yeah, I uh, it's funny. It. It's funny how you say, "Oh, you know, uh, I was with my buddy and we killed it." Dude, one of you guys pulled the trigger, but you both we both pulled the trigger. Oh, there, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, you guys both. Yeah. Oh, so you, you well, I down told him. Well, no, it was it was uh, it was one of those things. It was like uh, this, this spot's like it's in an area that you don't really want to be out there very late. There's yeah, just uh, unsavory it. characters nearby. Yep. Okay. It's by the border. Yeah. Um, wow. yeah, yeah. You, you know, you just don't want to necessarily like, like, I mean, really close to the border. Right. Um, it's like, uh, so, and it was also late too. And I was like, Hey, if you hit it and it doesn't like fall over and I haven't, and it jumps in front of my crosshairs, I'm going to shoot. He's like, that's fine. And it was like the last minute too. I like, didn't want to get in conversation like, Hey, you know, this would be my first D16 right, buck, right. even though you glass it up, but it's my spot. You know, I was just yeah. like, Jake, you're, you know, your buck shoot. And if it moves, I'll kill it. 
Uh, and so he shot, it turned out it was a great shot. Right. Um, he like double lunged it, but it jumped up and then it literally jumped up right in front of my crosshairs. Perfect. So then I shot and then both like, this was silly. It was like both bullet holes were within like a half inch of each other. That's pretty cool. It it looked like one hole. And we were like, did some, one of us just clean miss? Yeah. But no, we like, you could see like, oh wow. That was like, you know, perfect teamwork. Yeah. Um, and then had it dressed out and then uh, ran into an unmarked van like halfway through our pack out. Whoa. I was like, man, I do not. I, it was. Yeah, I've heard stories like, over there. Dude. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. But it turned out it was um, Department of Homeland Security. That's and the good. guy thought we were someone else. So yeah. he was like, oh, cool. You guys aren't my like extraction person. And I was like, what the hell are you guys doing out here? Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he's like, I'm looking for somebody yeah. that's. Going, getting a ride home from us, and you're not them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, I'm not going to ask more questions. I want to get to my truck. Um, so that was that was cool. At least I had like some wild game after not yeah. killing an elk last year. Yeah. Uh, and then hunted again, same unit this year. Saw a lot more elk. Had a heck of a time. Absolutely expanded my database or my my knowledge database, and uh, all that to be said, you know, I didn't cut a tag again. Right. But, um, oh, man, it's just, it's elk hunting in the Rocky Mountains is just unbelievable. Yeah. Dude, um, it, it's insane. But you, you found success. You just didn't punch your tag. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like what you say there because it's, uh, if you were to go, like, like uh, the, I think the first time this really hit me, I was offshore fishing. We caught a shark. We saw a blue whale. It was just an insane day out on the water, but because we hooked and lost a bluefin, we came home pissed. Yeah. And it's funny how we kind of put these, you know, binary metrics of success on ourselves. It's like, did I get what I went there for? Yes or no. If no, I failed, Uh, which is really a a way to get yourself burned out, especially if you're trying something like that's really hard. Like yeah. killing a bull elk with a bow. Oh, yeah. It's not about the well, tag out. Yeah, no, you're absolutely man. right. And I just want to clarify something real quick, Spencer. I hope everybody that listens to this podcast or has friends that hunt that aren't successful or the individuals that listen that aren't successful take what you just said and hold that true. Because everybody gets frustrated. Everybody gets frustrated when they don't fill a tag. But they need to understand that you learn every time you go out, for one, Number two, you need to enjoy the outdoors because what would you rather be doing, sitting behind the desk or swinging a hammer every day? You know, during work, we wait all year long for the time to be out in the field with a tag in our pocket to turn around and get frustrated and depressed and over it and pissed because we can't find success or this just isn't fair because dudes are killing stuff all around me and I'm not. Like You see what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's it's The The mental game, too, out there, it's like, you know, it's hard to stay – tough right and motivated to be like hey i'm here to like i'm here for a reason but then also though to like in you know continue to enjoy the small things of of uh just being out there and uh, dude we saw a wolf right we freaking saw a wolf i mean it was frustrating because we kind of called him into a bowl that we were calling in earlier but just like wild stuff can happen like out there and just like you know it's it's uh man there's uh I, I'll, I'll, in a little bit, I'll, I'll go through kind of the whole story of yeah. this season. There's also cool stories from last season, too. I called in, like, two really big bulls the first year I ever tried. Dude. Um, but, uh, 
yeah, if you aren't like enjoying the process, the process in your own learning mm-hmm. through it, it's just, I think you're doing things for the wrong reason. Oh yeah. You know, it, bad hits happen. Misses happen. Failure to find success happens. But you know what? It all comes together when you find success. Like when you yeah. finally put an animal down, you punch a tag, you shoot your first green head, you know, you shoot your first coyote prior to bobcats being outlawed. Mm-hmm. You shoot your first bobcat because how many guys go out and call bobcats and never, well, did go out and call bobcats and never had any come in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Now they're going to be coming in. Oh, yeah. Well, now, <laughs> now they'll come in because they're like, oh, you can't shoot me. But, it, you know, mm-hmm. like it just, oh, man. It, yeah. it's such a mental game. I'll tell you what, dude. The last half of A22 last year, it's, I feel like I finally figured it out. Yeah? We were getting on bucks daily. That's right. incredible. And I still didn't punch a tag. Yeah, that's incredible. But now I know what to do, time of year to do. You know, I I learned, so that's going to better me in the future. Yeah. It, it, it's it's t- The biggest thing is the initial learning curve. Right. Learning how to learn, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm, like, really struggling with that locally right like i uh took my bow for a walk on thursday to the same spot where uh, my buddy and i got that one last year and if we if, if i hadn't seen a buck hit the ground in this chunk of land and i'd just seen it for the first time last thursday i would have think dude there are no deer here yeah there i, I think i saw i hiked like four miles and i saw two piles of poop that yeah. was it yeah like wow yeah this uh so i'm not sure if they're just I move in a different part of that area Dude, or they're just not there. Yeah, it's September. They're bad. Deer hunting in September yeah. in San Diego don't mix. Dude, it sucks. Oh, yeah. You got to be really yeah. lucky. It's tough, man. But, like, nowhere, though. I was, like, I like, like you know, I was up high kind of glassing, and then I tried to go through and look, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go blow up some some travel corridors just kind of doing some scouting. Yeah. And even those travel corridors look pretty dead. Dude, I, but we, I don't know. I've been in my local spot or my – uh, pretty consistent spot I go to, and I think this year I saw one little forky that I saw twice, and two does. And last year, in a different, you know, this is September. Yeah. And uh, last year, late season, we were seeing bucks daily. It's just the time of year. Deer are in a certain spot. You know, it it could always change, and uh, weather has a lot to do with yeah. it. It's been like in the hundreds. Oh yeah, you know, they it's, hate it's, that. it's been brutal. And uh, dude, just local D sixteen hunting super hard, man. It's super hard. It uh, what's the success rate? Like five percent for A twenty two? Yeah. Oh, it's lower than that. Is I it think three yeah. to five? Right. Yeah, between three and five. I think like an rifle's average like of eight. yeah, rifles under ten normally. Eight to ten, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and like, and that's a twenty two. That's you know either sex. I think only like thirty bucks get killed out of a thousand tags. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's ridiculous, dude. And uh, I, I'm planning. I have a 22. I want to shoot a doe. You you don't want to shoot a doe? No, I do. That's oh, like do, that's do. why I bought it. I was I've like, been oh. trying to shoot a doe, and I, it's hard to find them in September. Yeah, dude. It, so the first year I ever tried it, this this first spot I found last year, I didn't really hunt it a lot. Yeah. Um, I went up there probably five times in preseason. Every time I saw deer, saw them really close. Kept bumping them. It was like it, it was kind of like you know it was my first time like really learning how to how to hunt around here and yeah. kind of hunt like well in general you know where you're actually not sitting in a truck and you're going out identifying glassing knobs trying to trying to pattern animals yeah um and 
So I was, you know, walking around kind of all their feeding grounds and stuff and then kept bumping them. But, uh, you know, this year, it's it, so this spot's National Forest. So I was like, oh, you know what? This spot might bow hunt really well if I set up a ground blind or a tree stand or yeah. still hunted it. But, yep, can't uh, can't hunt it. Thank you, uh, you know, Forest Service for, for keeping us locked out. And uh, just an update, guys. The forest just got closed until October 8th. There's yeah. a big fire going on by... Uh, I think it's in Tecate, Mexico. I think that's where it's at. And right. There's been uh, reports of another one by, I think it's Saquon, or no, Viejas Casino. Right. Right off, right off the eight. Yeah. There's a couple, there's a couple fires going on. It was, it so was closed till the first. The last <laughs> podcast we, we yeah. put out, we oh, had man. stated October 31st that's, or something No, that's like just that. for the, uh, for the, hike, the main hiking trip. Yeah, the main hiking trails, yeah. the waterfall, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then it was put out that it was October first, and then obviously the day before they're supposed to open, they extended till October eighth. I think it's going to get worse because these, these yeah. Fires. As long as we have heat, man, they're just like they're you know. It's frustrating though, because like there's been every other fall, there's been heat. Well, we I've talked to a few of my friends that are involved in the Forest Service, and they're mm-hmm. like, you know, one way or another, they're involved, but they they will tell you that. Every year we have fires. And matter of fact, I just got back from Michigan. My families are like, hey, are you worried about the fires that are going on out there? And I'm like, no. <laughs> we have fires every year. Yeah, I work the fires every year. Like, no, I'm not. You know, they suck. Without a doubt, they suck. And I don't want to see anyone's house burned down. Right? But they happen every year. And, and they, you know, I don't know the statistics on it on, like, campers are the ones that start these fires yeah. hunters are the ones that start the, i don't know that stuff so i mean i really i'm not gonna I talk on it, that i think it really i think it's super variable yeah, yeah. It, it, but like i know the, the big one in 2003 that burned like 280,000 acres san diego the cedar fire that was uh i think that was a hunter he, he got lost or something yeah, yeah he, he shot a flare right yeah, yeah something like that I, I do know that but this is the thing for, the lightning started the the Two big ones in NorCal that happened in August. I think it's just know? conditions. Yeah, you know? it's conditions. They're going to light. The Dude, meat, we the did media. have a lot of rain. We had a lot of rain last year. So we did. Yeah. Lo- late season rain. It was a lot of brush. Yeah. You know? A yeah. lot of it is fueled by media, though. Yeah. Like, if you look at what's happening politically and you see the way our, our president responds to questions from California panels and, you know, in regards to, hey, global warming and all of this stuff, and he bashes it down. You can see how the media can take stuff and run yeah. with it. It's and sensationalized the governor, for sure. Yeah, so I, 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 California is not doing a great job of managing. We need to. Uh, we definitely need to take like forest management seriously. California was meant yeah. to burn, so when you have like prolonged fuel loads, yeah, it like like I, I've hunted burns before. When when yeah. you see a healthy burn that wasn't that didn't burn so hot that it sterilized. Yep, it didn't soil, scar the land. You know, it didn't scar the land, but one that just kind of was like a reset. It opens the land. It allows mm. not just deer. Like, like we saw quail, and we saw owls, and we saw raccoons, and it was just insane. It's great for the environment. Just everything. Like, it needs to kind of have that reset. And, you know, for years, there was this, uh, you know, Smokey the Bear, who started yeah. in California. Yep. Um, you know, don't start wildfires. And it kind of just led to mismanagement. California is also really... St- really tough. If you look at a state like Idaho, they have giant, giant, giant swaths of national forests, which yeah. are very easy to manage because yeah. you have one agency. California, so much of uh, our public land is in really difficult terrain. Yeah. Um, steep, nasty. Steep, nasty stuff is where you have your public land 
um, and everything else is private. Like anything that looks like a nice chunk of like, wow, this is a beautiful place. Uh, yeah, someone probably owns that. Well, like, and so how do you work with all these, you know, public and private? And it's it's just really difficult to keep our state kind of managed. In some places, it's a law to keep like your defensible your, your, space. Your, yeah, right. Defensible space. It's a good, yeah. good way to put it. Uh, to keep it up to keep it up to par with the conditions. Yeah. Well, I don't. I think it's just a boundary you're supposed to have. Like, I yeah. I definitely. I'm not sure That's if a it's law, a right? law. Well. I don't want to be misquoted and then we get blasted fact yeah. check. You know what I mean? But what I will say is that I know that when my old man lived in Valley Center that the defensible space was quite a bit. It was like 100 feet, I think. Yeah, and then my, my buddies lived in Valley Center and it was the same thing, you know? So, you know, I would assume that there is some sort of ordinance that if you didn't have it, uh, your insurance wouldn't be too happy. Yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. a lot of that's kind of insurance. You know, I mean, I've like said that. it before, like you drive up to eight or the backside of Palomar, all it takes is one cigarette to get oh, flicked out dude. of a car. Yeah, and then the whole eight's on fire, yeah. or the whole behind Pal- or we, Palomar's on fire. We have yeah. we, when we had Bill Simmons on, mm-hmm. right? Um, we had talked about that because he actually drove from where does he live? Campo. He lives out in Campo. He lives way out there. Drove all the way to Temecula, kicked back, and we recorded. Right, so we. We picked his brain for a while, and, yeah. and he, I was like, dude, he came up the back way up to 79. I'm like, you see that mountain, bro? That's 15 foot tall, impenetrable, shrub oaks, sage, whatever it is, and it it is ridiculous. One cigarette, and that entire mountain goes. And I'm like, you know, the way I feel about it is if there's nothing in the way, the problem is as fires get out of hand. Yeah. yeah, that's a thing. That's the People and we have so much private land, right? That landowners don't are are uneasy with uh with with public fire. yeah with with public land and with yeah. National Forest Service uh burning near them. Yeah, and, and so it, it's, it's sketchy, it's and I get it, but honestly, it's like, do you not expect this to happen? Like that's forest the, yeah. management sucks. That's the thing. You know? Nature, nature will have the last word. It's a matter of yeah when it burns. Is it going to burn on a right. hundred? 10 degree day mm-hmm. or is it going to burn in you know maybe late fall after a couple of rains and right. we can have and we can mitigate that risk it, right the big issue is just making sure that we can clear it yeah it, it's so. pretty it's pretty tough dude it sucks it is you know even when i especially was especially now man i can't Im- like people who have like elk tags in california mm-hmm. the season september yeah. what are you supposed to, you dude, get, the, suppose, we waited, talked about that too yeah, yeah you waited 15 years yeah. 20 years to mm-hmm. pull an elk tag and now better be guaranteed that tag next year yeah yeah know. yeah I, i've heard they're giving like a, a point like they're a returning refund. that point and right. giving you an extra one but still it's like oh cool so now i can wait another five years to get drawn again because right. everybody that drew it's not going to draw it again yeah you know? that's yeah. why it's like sometimes i don't even i mean i still put in for, uh, put in for points for california so oh yeah i mm-hmm. want to spend my money elsewhere Oh, for yeah, sure. As a resident, I want to kill. I want to kill an elk in California. Yeah, yeah, too. I'd love to. You know, that's like that's something I want to do. But I want a tool elk, dude. Dude, they're sick. Tule, a tule would be kind of cool. Yeah, did I say? Cool. Did I say it wrong? You said tule. tule. It's a tool. I said tool. You said tool. Tule. tule. Did I? It's a tule. Tule. I'm yeah. Sc- yeah. Sorry, it's guys. All, it's all right. Ah, it's all right. You got a little speech impediment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, no, I. But you know, outside of that, man, you you uh just got back from a epic. Elk hunt that Brian was showing me on social media yeah. when we'd get around each other, man. <laughs> Pictures. Yeah, it, it was showers, almost showers in the kid pools. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I took a bath in the lake. Um, yeah, it's like funny because this unit uh, is is really big and really, really, re- uh, pretty rugged. Yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily steep, but just huge. Yeah, it's big. 
Big it's country. like, uh, yeah, we average, I think, 2,200 feet of elevation gain a day. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, it was a lot. We it sounds, like, sounds like Elgin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. It's, uh, I think Yanni from uh, Meteor just calls it up and down. Yeah. Just doing up and down all day. I can see it. Uh, you were yeah. sending me pictures, dude. It, it looked gnarly, nasty terrain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You come over into a north face, like, you know, south facing slopes are all sage and very open. Um, you know, knee high, waist high sage. Yeah. Um, which you can walk through pretty easily. It's not like walking on a trail, but it's not terrible. And then right. you yeah. come to the north facing slope and it abruptly turns into just this nasty, like, nasty is an understatement, just huge, tangled mess of deadfall. Yeah. Timber. Um, yeah. Just like, like, I think we walked 280 yards without touching the ground. Just, just on, on top. Just on top. Wow. Which is gnarly because it you have is. a pack on mm-hmm. and, like, you're, you know, walking over these cylindrical logs and uh, you have a bow in your hand. Yep. And, and, like, if you slip, you might hurt yourself, like, a couple miles into the backcountry. Destroy your bow. Yeah, or destroy <laughs> your bow. Um, so, uh, but, yeah, it's funny. You know, this place is all, like, rugged and loaded with elk. Uh I mean, I wouldn't say loaded. I haven't hunted like Arizona or Utah or like a good unit, but you know, there's a lot of animals in there. And, uh, there's like freaking 4G, like we backpacked in four miles and spent the night up at 9,000 feet and we had 4G that night. Yes, it's like, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's all kind of not like ruins it, but you're like, oh man. I well, need to like. I need to make sure oh, that I like keep it on air. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, there's like a little bit of like, oh, cool. I can totally post this. But Did it's you guys, also, uh, did you guys run into wolves too? Because oh, I know yeah. Idaho has a big wolf yeah. problem, especially this unit. Yeah, this is Central Idaho, and they they have a wolf wolf problem. Uh, I, like Northern Idaho has like the problem, and that like that's where um, state fish and game is uh, it's doing like the aerial gunning and stuff like that. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're um, like Unit Ten and Twelve, the Lolo zones. Those um, those areas like they used to before the wolves were reintroduced in I think it was ninety five or ninety six. Um, those zones, elk also too, were at like a destructive, I think some would say destructively high level. Really? Um, yeah, it was pretty, it was like, uh, they're far beyond the, the ecosystem. Should have given more tags. Oh, I know. Yeah, they actually (laughs) should have. Um, and, uh, then wolves were introduced and they were done by, done so, reintroduced by the state. So it was, you know, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana reintroduced wolves themselves. Colorado's trying to do that, right? They shouldn't do they, it. They're talking That's about it. That's silly. Why would they do that? They already have wolves. Well, right? right? They have a couple packs. Well, yeah, within ten years. Listen, man. Mm-hmm. Wolves are very. Uh, you know, people f- think that they're a necessity, which obviously there's probably a place for them it's that everywhere. Damn video, man. How how wolves changed the rivers yeah. of Yellowstone. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what else changed the rivers of Yellowstone? The fact that beavers were being airdropped mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a. Every wildlife biologist I've talked to, that video is a gross oversimplification of uh, kind of the trophic processes of uh, Yellowstone. And the and the thesis that they make is is that um, it saved the aspens. Right. Uh, in Yellowstone, um, it wasn't necessarily true. What was their reasoning yeah. for saving the aspens? So it was uh, it was it was um, elk were overgrazing them oh. because they could kind of just hang out in these aspen groves right. and just eat all day long. And the right. wolves, even though the wolves didn't destroy the elk numbers that much, it changed their behavior. Right. Um, 
Yeah, but that pushes them to the that pushes them to the flatlands. It pushes them to the timber, it pu- you know well, I mean? it, and it pushes them to the visitor center. Yeah, well, we're now no, we're now rutted out bulls are like smashing into smashing cars. cars. Yeah, which is kind of funny. It, it, but that's what they're saying. They're saying Colorado is is uh, in the process wolves. of reintroducing wolves on like a larger scale, putting it on the ballot right. for, for the state to vote. Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's pumping pumping it hard. Not, yeah. to I'm sure. I yeah, mean, wolves systematically will destroy elk populations if unchecked and that's the problem they'll say hey we want they'll say hey we want 3000 wolves statewide and then once we hit that we'll develop a management plan well yeah. then they hit 3000 uh you know wolves in the what am I trying to say? They hit 3,000 wolves in the state, right? And then, you know, Fish and Wildlife or the whoever the organizations that are pushing for management plans will bring it will bring it up. It'll bring up and they'll say, hey, it's time to develop a management plan so we can keep these wolves under the herd so it doesn't, you know, deprivation of livestock, yeah. ruining deer and elk herds, you know what I mean? The allungeons and whatnot. And uh, outside of that, then you get, the, you get the other side. And Colorado, you know, let's face it, is not very hunter friendly for sure yeah but it's very liberal and in the big cities make the decisions so the big cities are going to vote on that what's ironic about colorado too is um even though they still have the largest elk population out of out of any state out of out of like kind of the the states you know the main hunting states that have a lot of elk they're kind of all on the uh, on the rise. I think Washington's kind of dro- their their numbers are dropping a little bit, but Colorado is dropping. Right. Um. And the, you know, for a while they're kind of scratching their heads, like what's killing what's killing our elk? Why are we seeing r- very reduced uh, herd recruitment? And uh, from what what I've read, there are some papers put out by by um the uh, you know Fish and Wildlife saying it's just too much out wintertime outdoor recreation right. stress yeah you it's know? like that shed thing right yeah yeah, like, yeah. idaho like a, what was the winter kill off was they're getting bumped off the winter grounds so that's the thing it's like in winter elk need to be feeding mm-hmm. not right. running from cross-country skiers which is the case in colorado Cor- yep. Yep. it's uh it's not so i think until they kind of get that figured out they should you know pump the brakes on the wolves right i think so um and you know, make sure too that you're talking to the ranchers that that you are talking to fishing games. Right. They're the ones who like they're going to be the ones working together on the issue. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Talking, talk is you know talking with fishing game. Like the biologists and fishing game are good people. They're right. like it's easy to to get angry at fishing game and be like, oh, your tag allocations suck and your wardens are you know, fighting, you know, barking down the wrong tree and writing silly citations when you're not catching, po- you know, it's, it's easy for us to complain, but I think by and large, the, the science that are, you know, that West, you know, kind of the United States in general, the, the States fishing game hire good scientists. Yeah. Like, and so it's important that we talk to these folks. I just, I have no problem with wolf reintroduction if there is a laid out plan for management once the objective numbers are reached otherwise you're going to run into uh, yellowstone correct. grizzlies man. correct and that's the problem there's all re- when we had uh lobbyist bill Gaines on the podcast anyone mm-hmm. that hasn't listened to that you should go back and listen to that that was the lowest rated podcast we had and it's the most informational in regards to fishing game or fish and wildlife issues facing our community in california today so go back and listen to that. that's just a little plug but yeah. no when he was on 
he had brought up a handful of things, right? The first thing you touched on it was the disturbance of elk, right? Like mm-hmm. in their wintering grounds. That that goes for deer too, man. Like when we're mm-hmm. talking, yeah. San, Probably worse with deer. Well, check this out. Like San Diego, it, the coldest it gets on average is what? 30 degrees, maybe yeah. a couple times a year, right? That's here, man. Laguna gets cold. Sure, but those deer move off that mountain. They have a place to go. When you're talking about the Sierras, right, and the wintering grounds are overburdened with farmlands, you know, you got people out there recreating. They're getting pushed. Think about it. I want to say Bill Gaines said that if a deer in wintertime is trying to, or deer and elk in wintertime are trying to conserve every calorie they have to make it to spring till foliage comes up so when they have an an expenditure of calories of like a caloric intake if it's if they burn more than they take in they're already on the losing track Mm -hmm. in winter time so the wolves that have already been uh spotted and um Acknowledge that they're in California, like whatever pack it was. Listen the Shasta to pack. Yeah, the listen to the pack. podcast. Bill talks about it. it th- there's a pack that has crossed over, and it's crossing back and forth. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, it's going to get bigger. I think that's it's cool. Sp- it is it's, cool. It's, it's happening naturally it, and organically. Yeah, it is cool. The problem is is there's elk up there, and there's already a finite amount of elk mm-hmm. in California. And what do elk do? They kill. Or what do wolves do? They kill elk. That's their primary source of food. They're going to kill elk. They're going to kill deer. But in the wintertime, it's like we already have stressed populations. That humans, through our usage of the land, have already stressed elk out Correct. beyond yes. what Correct. the natural landscape would handle. Where there's, where, right. where there's human interference, there needs to be management. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. They, you know, yeah. they, people want to say, oh, you know, uh, we want to, for the, you know, we want to make uh the outdoors, I'm trying to think of the right words. I'm trying to think smart right now. I shouldn't say it. We want to make the ecosystem back to what it was 2,000 years ago, <laughs> right? Well, cool. look, Let's put grizzlies in exactly. Golden Gate Park, man. Exactly. Well, they want, yeah, they want to do all this like stuff, that. right? You got yeah. all this habitat reconstruction, which I'm all for it, and they want to bring in predators and whatnot, and everyone would just look at us and be like, well, you guys just want more game to kill and, you know, whatever. The reality is is skyscrapers, like skyscrapers, Mm-hmm they're not even supposed to be on the landscape. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. if you want to bring it back to what it was, like human intervention is already there. There needs to be a management plan from the mm-hmm. get-go. And yeah. then, you know. Yeah. Where there's, exactly. yeah I, like, I like what you said, where there's human intervention or interference. interference. There, needs, there needs to be management. That's really true with the wolf situation. I mean, I'm, I'm the, the unit I hunted was very, very, very wide open. It was like 97% public land. Nice. Um, the wolves and the elk there work together great. I mean, it makes it frustrating. Um, uh, I guess I'll kind of go out of order. So this was, uh, I think it was like fifth morning or something like that. Start going up this hillside, same hillside where the first year I called in two bulls in one morning. So I was like, no, there, this is like a, it's the spot. It's, it's, there's not like I wouldn't say there's like spots in elk hunting. It's yeah. like you know when you're offshore fishing and you like hit the 302. Maybe the 302 will hold fish. Maybe it won't. Right. But it's a spot where you tend to have fish congregating or right. passing through. That's kind of how elk are. Okay. Um, they aren't like deer where they have their little home. They have the large areas that kind of that they'll just be moving through. Um, sometimes they'll hang out in a spot for a couple days. Sometimes. Uh, you'll find that same herd of elk like four miles away. Yeah. Um, but this is a high percentage area. So uh, go up, you know, we're working our way up. And it was like 
you know, we walked a hundred yards from where our tent was and started moving up this set of ridges and we make it to the second ridge. We've gone like a mile in and then it's like seven thirty. hit a bugle. This bull snap, like hits me back hard and angry. Um, but he's like up, he still has probably 500 vertical feet and another like, you know, quarter mile, uh, three-eighths of a mile away from us. He was so up above you guys? Up above us, oh, yeah. yeah. And so we didn't have an immediate play. He wasn't going to... He wasn't going to come down. He you. wasn't going to come down. Uh-huh. Um, and that's like too much distance to really, before you can like actually set up. Because right. like, uh, the like so I, basically the, my whole knowledge database of elk hunting comes from um, listening to uh, Jason Phelps, uh, yep. watching Born and Raised Outdoors, mm-hmm. and then I did the Corey Jacobson... Yep. Elk 101, University Elk Hunting. That yeah. thing's incredible. Fo- like, guaranteed, if you follow that, like, you will, right. you will, like, be in such a better space or a place to, like, get yourself on elk and putting yourself in situations for success. So, I knew, like, his whole, his whole thing is um, before you can really get a bull to come in, you need to kind of push up yeah. against him into his comfort zone. Yep. And so we were kind of far. This was kind of more of like an exercise in location. And he, he, he was like pretty animated. Um, he uh, was hitting us back a lot. Like without, uh, without me even calling, he was calling back to us. He was, he was pretty excited. Um, but uh, he kind of kept moving. It hit like eight, eight thirty. The sun got up a little bit. He was just sort of on a South facing slope and, um, kind of, that was the, that was the morning that for him. So morning. he kind of crested up over this ridge where we, we knew where that ridge was. What date was it? What was the date? Ah, this was the seventh, eighth, ninth, something like that. He may have been with some cows, man. I think he was with cows. So he just pushed them away from you. He, uh, I don't think he was necessarily doing like the full bugling and running. Right. But I think he's like, you sound like a little raghorn down there. Come I'm up. not that, I'm not that worried about you. If you right. want to do something, come up here and let's tango. Yeah. Um, so oh, God, he, fires me oh, up, I know. Gosh. So, uh, he, um, but it was, you know, there was a lot of back and forth between us, just kind of like more than we should have done. Right. Like, uh, that was one thing we kind of learned, um, through the course of this hunt is, is, um, bugle a lot until you get a response and when you get a response, be very sparing because each, each call you make after he initially hears you is going to, could potentially turn the mood away from something that's advantageous for yourself. So we might've been a little too chatty with him. Um, I don't think we were like at the end of the day, cause, uh, a wolf kind of laid over his card. So, uh, we, we, we get up to the top of this ridge. He crested over under the North facing part. Um, which still by this time in the morning, the South facing slope still had, or, uh, the South facing slope, you know, it gets the sun on it, gets that uphill thermal. Yeah. But the North facing slope will maintain that downhill thermal until like 11. Yeah. Um, cause it's still in the shade. It's still in the shade. Yeah. So we, we posted up, made breakfast, even took like a 45 minute nap, waited for the wind to get right. Um, didn't call. We knew pretty close to where we think he had bedded for the day. Um, and then we start kind of making a big sort of U shape from where we were to where he was, you know, to kind of, yeah. you know, like make our approach uh, from from a direction we wanted. And as we start doing that, I just see out of the corner of my eye like an animal just bolting over this just tangled mess of deadfall. And I was like, "Holy cow, dude, that's a wolf!" I pointed it out to my buddy. I was like, "That's a wolf!" And um, 
I like, so I like grabbed my cow call and started trying to cow call him into me. Yeah. Like a little calf in distress, you know, cow call, calf in distress, something like that. I was like, I was like, do I call to him to try to bring him into me so that way he thinks he can like come and kill me? Because in Idaho, you can use your, uh, your, your wolf or your elk tag on a wolf. And I was like that. Bruce you're, told me too. He's like, dude, you put that, you put that elk tag on a wolf if you can. Yeah, yeah, Plus, cool. it's also you know being from California, you'll make all the local Idaho hunters think you're like pretty cool for a Californian. If you I didn't kill a know wolf. that, dude. I thought Idaho treated them like coyotes. You just smoke them. No, you need a tag. You need a tag. Really? Yeah. I thought they were that much of a. No, pest. I think they're like forty bucks or something, right? Yeah, I think it's like maybe even less. Yeah. What, what state bucks. is that? One state treats them like that, right? It would be Idaho. Idaho is the most uh, the most forward about killing wolves. Right. Because I heard a story, or I watched a story. I was with John Dudley. He was talking about. That was in Canada. Uh, oh, that was in Canada. Yeah, he was getting shot har- like four. He was getting harassed by yeah. anti hunters, and he said, "For every uh, hate mail I get, I'm going to shoot a wolf in the guts." Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> in the guts. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. Bruce told me. Bruce was pissed. He was like, oh, "Why'd you let him go? You should have gut shot him." And I was like, "Dude, I like." He was just an absolute flash through some pretty thick timber. Yeah, and he didn't then, even have a shot. No, there was no way I could have got my bow up in time. Um, but uh, it was, like, cool. I mean, you know, it's hard because wolves can be very destructive and difficult. But at the same time, though, it's hard to, like, like uh, Steve Ranella said this. He's like, like when I'm, when I'm hunting somewhere and there are animals that should be on the landscape that aren't, I feel like something's missing. And I, I, I relate to that. It was cool. You know, seeing wolves in an area right. where, um, like, uh, you know, the, like elk fully vacate this whole unit. So the wolves do too, you know. It's, yeah. Um, oh, they, what do you mean they vacate? Like, like there's, the yeah, there's zero elk there in, uh, I think there's one herd of like 20 that hangs around town. And that's oh, really? it for the winter. Yeah. yeah. Every okay. single animal, all the mule deer, all the antelope, all those animals. They just leave. It's leave all, the entire unit. Yeah, it's high elevation. Um, yeah, so uh, we see this wolf, and um, I was, like, in between, so I so I ended up ca- uh, calling at him, but then I was kind of like, should I shout at him, too? Should I be like, hey, get out of here, you wolf? Like, would that spook him off? Right. I was like, what is going to be less destructive to my opportunities of uh, trying to hunt these elk later? Yelling, you know, 200 yards away, or, a, you know, or a wolf running down there? Yeah. Uh, it turns out the wolf running down there was pretty destructive, because we heard the bull bugle, and all the cows started chirping and yeah 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 i don't think he got anything it was just we just saw one i think it was just one lone one loner yeah yeah i you know wolf it's every time i watch like born and raised Mm -hmm. right it always seems to me that dude the name of the game with those guys is if you hear a bull like a bugle like respond to your bugle Mm -hmm. like and i've never had this happen just go in on them right away. Yeah. Like Strike while the iron is hot. In. Yeah. Go in. Don't rip a bugle. Get in. Move a couple hundred yards in and then rip another one because then that bull thinks, oh, he's coming in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so, so what you want to do, I guess I'll, I guess I'll, uh, we can touch on like uh, the, the play-by-play of my trip later, but uh, I guess while we're talking elk psychology, um, I heard this from Jason. I watch like a lot of Jason Phelps and Paul the Elk Nut. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Elk nut sick. I I yeah, want to awesome. I want to be his best friend. Uh, <laughs> and I I've noticed this too. It's like if you if if you hear a bull bugle, like and this is also I use the same thing when I can tell if if is it a bull or a, you know that game of uh, was it a bull calling or another hunter? It's like uh, hunters always want to keep calling. Right. Hunters yeah, like like do. you bugle and if and if like a bull hits you back, what's your instinct? Oh, I got to call him again. Right. It's like no you no don't because like uh, how often do you hear 
oh, we'll do that. Right. Like, if you do, maybe it's, like, some little raghorn who thinks he's yeah. really cool running his mouth. But, like, that's not very natural. So when I, when I like, hear just a single bugle and no chuckles, because, you know, chuckles are always, like, the dead giveaway. If, if you hear, like, the really good, oh, oh, oh. Like, yeah. and you can just hear that like diaphragm moving, then yeah, you know, that's a, that's a bull. But if you just hear a straight bugle from a ways off, it can be kind of hard to tell. And, and so it's kind of, then you have to like listen to the cadence and what they're saying. Um, so yeah, like what, 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 you know, Paul and Jason Phelps were saying is like, everyone wants to call and then walk 200 yards and call again. And that whole time you're just pushing that, you, right. that bull is going to hear you and he's going to hear you broadcast your location again. And he's going to, he's going to grab his ladies and they're going to keep moving away. And like, not like they're not going to bust, but they don't want to necessarily like be around it. Yeah. They yeah. Want yeah. A confrontation. Yeah. They would rather kind of move away. So the way you have to trick or flip that switch to, to get one to fight. I'm like last year when I called that bull in a 32 yards, I was with the challenge sequence and that's Corey Jacobson's like go to. Um, and I can attest to how, insane that was it was i um this was like after me hunting for six days and like not even hearing a bugle then walking up this ridge calling 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 and then i get hit back this bull just sounds mad it was like a really it wasn't a lazy like it was like and i was like oh my gosh man this guy's pissed and i you know, kept hitting him again and then like i hit him with a challenge bugle and he screamed over me Dang. Um, and, and he was close too. He had kind of moved some, I think what I did was I think I bumped his cows. So I separated him from his cows and that just makes him go ballistic. Wait, when you say scream over, so like you were in mid bugle and, I he, was, and he bugled? He bugled over me while I was mid bugle. Yeah. Wow. He cut me off. Yeah. That's um, crazy. Oh yeah. You need which to, normally that's how you do you the to arrow him for sure. Yeah. You do that to him. That, <laughs> yeah. So that's what you're supposed to do to the bull when you try to flip the challenge or when you try, try to, to do piss the, them off yeah yeah you bugle over them and that gets them so mad that they want to just come in and kick your butt uh so he bugled over me and i was like oh that's not how it's supposed to go but he's really mad so i ran down um like i literally went 100 yards started busting a tree up with a limb uh pro tip if you're solo hunting and you're raking a tree even though it seems like you need two hands to rake a tree if you use two hands that leaves you with zero hands to hold your bow. Yeah. Do not drop yeah. your damn bow if you're... <laughs> that if you were, you? Yeah. So oh. my bow was on the ground when he came at me uh, like to 32 yards. Oh. And we locked eyes, and I just looked at his headgear, and he looked at my bow, and he was like, nah, man. Come out of nah, here. Nah, man. And he tore off. And he How was, big was he? Oh, really good five, maybe yes. a six. I couldn't see because he looked at me frontal. I couldn't see like if he had a little whale tail. Yeah. Um, but like a like a good bull. Good like, bull. Probably, yeah, probably. I don't know, like two fifty to two seventy. Yeah. I don't. Know. I'm like not public someone, land trophy, dude. I'm not like yeah. a big elk score. He definitely. Oh, yeah. He wasn't like a big like you know three hundred. Dude, it's not about the tape, like bro. Nope. It's about the meat in your freezer. Right. Yeah, and the memories. Yeah, and like uh, you know, and the fight you have with that animal too. It was, was, it was just epic. That's yeah. A sick story. Listen, so I, I would tell you. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I would tell you, hey man, it would been great for you to punch one of the arrows out on your bow in there, but it's not yeah. a vap. Those are vaps, right there. <laughs> so just go ahead. <laughs> dude i know i need i'm i know um i uh i'm shooting cheap arrows i'm gonna i want i want to shoot those aren't yours those vaps 
Where? Are those those are V forces. V forces. Oh, yeah. those are old. Those those are underspined. Um. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. We can get them. Uh, yeah. I also know Devin. He could do. Oh, yeah, there you go. Good guy. Good dude. Gonna, yeah, we're gonna try to hunt on Friday before they close the forest. Yeah, Devin's a good guy. I like he, uh, he has a daughter like almost same age as I me. Know. So we're gonna big we're shout gonna out go, to him. Yeah, we're gonna go take our babies backpacking and bow hunting. So that's sick. Yeah, I mean, well, at least it sounds sick. Like when we are like talking to each other about it. Full but draw I'm sure a buck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, I'm, right. I'm sure though that like we'll go. You know. Like take our kids out and we'll like hike 300 yards and somebody's kid is gonna be screaming and we're gonna be like wow this was like a, not the best way to try to go hunting, um but yeah so went out. <laughs> yeah I know we're gonna at least give it a try uh so that's you know that was the first time I'd like been an elk hunter for six days now I'm staring at a big bull 32 yeah. yards like yeah. um wow like so that sold me on the challenge sequence and that's like Corey's go to and it's fun because you piss him off yeah you're not just like uh, and the difference too between that and cow calling, because we this year we cow called a lot more. I think it depends a lot on your on the unit on the on the units bull to cow ratio. If you have a unit with a ton of bulls, um, like where Visser was hunting or where Trav hunts a lot, um, in Utah, those are all uh managed for quality, um, and they're not like you know those are units that take like a long time to draw, and they have you know like fifty. 50 bulls to 100 cows. Like, I think the unit I hunt is, like, 12 bulls to a cow. Yeah. So, this bull, like, like you don't have a lot of just kind of roamer bulls who are out looking right. for a single cow or who are willing to leave their cows to come 120 yards yeah. into you cow calling. Right. But if you can set up a situation where you just full-on piss them off, they're going to come in and get, right. you are just hitting this, like, um, it's like if some random dude on the street punches you in the face. You're yeah. going to... You're you're not gonna think through your actions. You're just going to the ramifications of what's actually going to happen. You know. Yeah, you're just you're going to react. You you know what? This dude punched me in the face. Right. I'm going to beat him. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of that's like what uh that's I I would say the difference between cow calling and the challenge sequence. But the challenge sequence though, you can if you don't execute it right you'll push them away right that happened to me last year because last year uh i went twice i went beginning of the season and then i went again with my buddy right for a week um for peak rut um like uh i think it was the 21st through the 28th or something like How that was that it was great we had a lot of bulls talking and we had some actually pretty good opportunities on we had like bull we had bulls screaming like midday right um which is normally like you know what one time we were set up like 60 70 yards from like where these uh bulls and cows were bedded and then um cloud it was this was like post frontal like it had just stormed like the day before um and so the weather was still pretty unstable so we set up the thermals pretty good right and then as soon as we start getting you know pushing in uh cloud came over it and like like a whole yep, set of clouds just went downhill yeah pulled off real quick and yeah and it, it was and it was only like that for five minutes and but that was enough to bust him yep. and i was like really man if we had like come up here 20 minutes earlier yep. that was fine another bull that we had screaming um in the same basin that like uh it was the one where you know that picture of me holding the elk uh yeah. the elk skull it was that basin we went back this year and also had another bull screaming his head off in there that basin is always always holding animals um we had this bull going at like 11 30 in the morning and uh, you, we could tell too. This bull was big, right? Because um, he was uh, like not so much like from the sound. Like I think a mature, a mature elk. Like like I, 
I, I you know, again, I'm I'm a rookie, dude. I've been doing this right. two years. But I think though, like like a satellite bull, you know, like a medium sized five by or something like that. Not like a little wimpy spike, but like a raghorn or something. But like, you know, a mature ish yeah. bull will have the same sounding bugle as like a huge mature yeah. runs the herd kind of herd bull, you giant yeah. six. But that that big six though, he's gonna say things differently. Uh, your your little five by, he's gonna be running his mouth. Um, the the big six is he's gonna chuckle more. And I do know this because I called that same morning. I called in that five by an hour and a half later. I called in a six by six to like sixty yards. Oh. Um, he uh, I was kind of cold calling while I was like making breakfast, and then um, finished making breakfast and I bugle. And then he hits me back, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's an elk, like, really close. So I start making my way towards him to a spot where I can set up. And then as I'm working through this really open patch of deadfall, I just see him flip and turn, and I could just see, like, his uh, – I could just see, like, the, the his his swords and the whale tail right. behind him and just jet black belly tearing off. Oh, oh, man, was this beautiful. the beer gut bull? No, beer gut bull was this year. I think that – I think Oh, this that was last year. I think this year's bull was bigger. Um, and, uh, this, you know, that big one, I, you know, I could tell that one was, that one was a six and he was just chuckling a lot. He didn't like big bulls don't want to like, first of all, they don't need to like, they don't have anything to prove with their bugle because they're, they're huge. They, they run stuff. Right. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, there's also kind of like, if they're running around bugling, like. You know, unnecessarily, they are advertising themselves to wolves right, or advertising it's risk to hunters. Yeah, yeah. you know, so um, they're you know they're a little bit more selective with how they talk. Um, yeah, so we had this huge. Anyways, back to you know last year, we had this big bull chuckling a lot, and he was you could just tell he was holding back on his bugles. His bugles were like kind of quiet, and then like there was another bull a mile away in a patch of timber that was in a burn, and this bull was scream like. We would call, the bull beneath us would call, and then, then this bull a mile away would call back. And he, like, was trying to, he was, like, so desperate with his calls. He was like, hey, I'm over here. Hey, hey, I'm over here. And the bull beneath us was, like, would give, like, two little chuckles. And uh, <clears throat> so, again, we're like, okay, let's eat breakfast. Let's, like, maybe, like, sit in glass, try to find where he is. I mean, it's really hard to glass bedded elk in the, you know, I'm hunting because the Timber's super, super, super thick. Um, but you're like, oh, yeah, maybe. Let's see what we see. Um, as we're glassing, we see a black bear kind of just moseying around. Yeah, and we're like, oh, my gosh, man. Like, better elk bugling is kind of like your best, your best case scenario because, like, how much do you like getting woken up? Right. Yeah. Like, it pisses you. It already puts you yeah, off in yeah. a bad mental state. And, uh, so, uh, you know, the, and those are, they're not going anywhere too. This year we hunted in the, in the phase of the rut where we, when we got there, there, it was the bachelor groups were starting to break up. And then as we were hunting, and, and, and so, uh, when we had that bull going this year, the one that we called that wolf into, he had, he had, um, cows with them because we heard the cows after. I think he was smaller because we were in the phase where you have your satellite bulls are the ones collecting the cows and then the herd bulls are still roaming free. Um, so the, the, it's almost kind of this weird thing where the satellites are less reluctant to come into your calls 
because they have what they think, you know, because they have what they want. Right. Whereas the herd bulls are still somewhat mobile. They, you know, he, you know, coming into your calling setup um, is, is uh, he doesn't, he's in his mind, he's not sacrificing leaving 15 ladies unattended. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was all like really, really fun to watch and things that we're, you know, this year we're putting those pieces in together. And so there was just a lot of elk walking around this year. Um, we had, we had a bull going, he, he started sounding off on his own. This was actually, you know, hours after we got wolfed. Um, we had a bull going at four, he started, uh, sounding off at like 420. Like, I was like, oh, nice. Ah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was cool. Like, by himself. Like, no provocation. He just started bugling. Right. Um, so, we're like, okay, cool. Let's go try on, Let's go, like, make a move on him. It sucked, too, because we were, like, six and a half miles in. Oh, that was yeah. a big oh. day. We were, like. We it's were already f- 420. Like, oh. Yeah, I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. You got to think about the sun. And it's, like, it's taken us literally since seven in the morning to get up here. And now it's four. And now we're, like, you know making another push yeah yeah uh the, you know things you gotta in like with an elk too it's like uh that's that's uh significantly more work than shooting a d16 deer oh yeah um yeah. that's well. so that you know weighs on your mind a lot um not so the, not to say there's no death hikes in uh d16 but no i know what you're saying no but there's a limit to how much death you can have in a hike in d16 there's a road in every every five miles or something like that you know yeah that. yeah that's the thing about d16 you can't like somewhere you'll find a road where even if you can't drive your truck on it you can hike on it yeah whereas like this place was this would have not been a very cool spot to kill a bull probably a few guys out there no that's not true oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know how many hunters were you guys seeing uh it was funny so the days that we went in deep like we were like the first couple days uh, when we spent the night up at 9,000 feet and like it went from 75 degrees to 10 degrees that next morning and oh snowing, dude, it was insane. It was 75 degrees that day. And by five thirty in the afternoon, it was snowing on us. Um, and the next morning was like 10 degrees. It was Whoa. gnarly. Um, yeah. So we like, you know, backpacked up, set a spike camp and then hunted back from there. And, uh, we were like six miles in and saw four dudes in a day. Oh man. Wow. Didn't see, yeah, I didn't see anyone else, uh, really the rest of the time. Uh, it's, it's, uh, and this also, this unit too, um, has a lot of backcountry allure to it cause it's beautiful and there's a yeah. lot of really good looking habitat deep. So everyone just like, I, I called my buddy Ben. Yeah. I, we were joking. He's kind of like my Yoda. Uh, yeah. um, he, uh, this guy's super rad. He, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Kana Outdoors. They were, he just landed a cover shot of outdoor life. Um, Sounds he's familiar. a videographer. He filmed the linguists, uh, which was that, um, that Yeti, Sitka, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation flick, um, a couple years ago about Corey, uh, Corey Jacobson and all these other legends. And I that was, I that, think I've seen it. Yeah. You watch it. It's sick. Yeah. Uh, he filmed that. So he got to hunt with Corey and Donnie and Dirk Durham uh, oh, nice. For like a week, in and and he still like keeps in touch with those guys. Uh, filmed Elk Fever three with Larry D Jones, so uh, oh. you know I you know call him a lot and get advice from him. And it was funny too. He was saying he's like, yeah, man, like everyone from goes way back into the backcountry and the bumps into each other. And there's you know, definitely some truth to that. Um, but uh, oh, anyways, yeah. So this uh, elk elk though early season 
are less vocal. They're more likely to come into calls um, because late season they're they're worried about their cows coming into estrus. Well, late season they're always worried about someone stealing their cows, but late season they're worried about someone stealing their cows that moment they come into estrus. Early season, it's like I've got time; I can go win that cow back or whatever. Marshall. You know that it's it's, but it's it's harder though to um they're they're less vocal, but it's they're more they're like they're always moving. No. Yeah, it's like this bull at four twenty we had going. Um, just call him the Chiba bull. Uh, he dude, he was like we we pushed in on him, and we thought we knew where he was. Um, from where he was calling, and then he just kind of went quiet, and then we got into this nasty timber, and you and you just get disoriented in there. He was gone. Um, so uh, yeah, he just kind of wandered off. They have, you know a lot of things to do. They got busy schedules, so they're you know they're up and they're moving, and it's hard. You really when you have that bull gone, you have to like yeah, you have to strike. That's awesome, dude. I want to elk hunt so bad. Oh, I know, man. <laughs> it's so exciting, it's man. It's tough. It, you, 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 uh, so this is your second year? Yeah, this is my second year. Oh, that's ridiculous, man. You guys, you're already calling in big bulls. Yeah, it Great was crazy. stories already. Last year, I think that the, those two bulls I called in that one morning, I think that was kind of on accident. Um, and I, I did a lot of things it wrong. Counts. Yeah, it oh, it totally counts. It counts. I mean, it's letter, It's always better to be lucky than good. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, it kind of yep. gave me a little bit too much mojo too quick. Right. Um, this year, we it was a little more humbling in the sense that I think we were more cognizant of our mistakes. Um, and, like, it's, you know, me, I, like, like I think from kind of the intro, I'm not like a, some season been hunting since I was a little kid. It's just second right. nature. Uh, elk hunting's fun because there's a lot of decisions you can think through right. and make, but what, like what kept costing me though was um, just kind of like dumb habits, things that I would do without really thinking about like stepping out into a sage, sage opening and like, Oh my gosh, here's freaking cows at like 150 yards. And right. now they have eyes on me. Elk eyes are so much better than the, at yeah. least than, than mule deer eyes. Like they trust their eyes a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like antelope, it. but like, they will bust you with their eyes. Dude, they any wild game that survives, right? I mean, that's their yeah. job. Like we get up, yeah. we drink our coffee, go to work, whatever. Animals in the outdoors, they their eyes, ears and nose are what keep them alive. Yeah. So yeah, yeah man, they they're keen on that, you know? It's like yeah. our sense of smell. Mm -hmm. I'd assume like 20,000 years ago when we were running around throwing rocks at each other, that uh, our noses probably worked a hell of a lot better than they do now. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're yeah, yeah. all your senses are way sure. better. And, For sure. You know, you live and you die by those if yeah. you're a wild animal. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, from my limited experience with the deer here, it seems like elk have much better eyesight or, or rely on it more heavily. Because that's like one of the things that everyone kind of screws up when you're calling elk is... Um, you'll set up behind this like spindly little tree where even though you're hidden, it's like uh, the bull is looking for an elk-sized creature and he right. knows yeah. which tree he's looking at and he's like, there's no elk behind this tree. Right. Yet I hear an elk sound coming from this tree and they'll hold up at, like, you know, 80 yards. It'll be like, oh, hold up, man. This is weird. I'm not coming any closer. Yeah, that, that's part of the art of the setup yeah. though. You yeah. know, that's why it's tough solo to do it. You know, I've, I've never done it solo. I've mm -hmm. always had a buddy with me. Yeah. But uh, it was always when we would set up, 
it was there was always like a sixty yard difference. Yeah, man. and that car was always yeah. behind me. You know, mm-hmm. downwind of me, and it and it just, you know, your your partner's ripping off a bugle or blowing the cow call. And you're 60 yards closer to that bull before he starts holding up like, whoa, I'm, you know what exactly, I mean? That's, exactly. Exactly. The, deal the offset it. on the setup is huge. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the thing for me that I learned this year is uh, don't be so impatient um, either. Because I, I, not that I don't want to be the one who, I, not that I don't want to be the shooter, but um, I feel more confident calling than I, I, I feel as, as, a, as a team um dom if you're listening to this i love you and and i think you're a great elk caller but i think as a team we do we would do better with him as a shooter and me as a caller Um, i think that's and right and i'm just like i just want to have success for us i want to have an animal down i don't care who does what that was last year's elk hunt for me yeah it was like i didn't and this is a shitty thing to say like i didn't necessarily feel bad for that cow that i hit because technically i'm a predator and that's what yeah. i was there to do was to kill it and i mean animals get away from lions and bears all the time right mm-hmm. wounded so obviously there's a sense of remorse that yeah. i have yeah but i was more upset at the fact that i let my team down yeah we hunted our ass off for almost 10 days yeah and i was the only one that had an opportunity and mm-hmm. i failed yeah. so it's like just like what you said like you just want a team thing it's a team thing you, sure. you just wanted to put an animal down and you're you're saying i would rather be the caller instead of the shooter because our opportunity or our our odds of putting an animal down would be better if your buddy was the shooter. That's yeah. respectable. I'm sure there's sure. a morale thing to it too. Cause like, say if you get a bull down, then your buddy's like, Oh, okay, let's go get another one now. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, for sure. There. I mean, you just want to be successful as a group. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's local guys here too. If you go out with a buddy, one of you guys put a deer down, you guys both put it down. Yeah. Like, yeah. Your yeah. tag's not on it, but you know, you guys both hunted and got it down. Yeah, at, at the time, like last year, when when I uh, the buck that my that my buddy and I killed, at the time I like I didn't have any sense of like, oh well, it matters who shot it and whose tag we notched. But now it's kind of like, like oh man, I still can't say that I've notched a tag. Does that mean I have a monkey on my back now? It's you know, it's it's like it's weird that like now I have to ex- explain the fact that like. I feel like I was successful here, but right. I still haven't cut a tag. It's uh, you're still successful. Yeah, you're Listen, successful. I mean, I got deer meat. In, well, had deer meat in my freezer, so that was cool. Yeah, that's what it's about, it. dude. Yeah, yeah, we split it fifty fifty. Put, put ten days in San Diego's backcountry yeah. and not come home. You're gonna get it done. Oh yeah, there you go. I yeah. mean, dude, you, you San Diego's tough all the way around. Like it's the fact. I mean, it's tr- tough, but you know what? Elk hunting's tough too, and you yeah, you just. It seems like I'll be honest with you. It seems like you are addicted to elk hunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. So um, when when we were up high and running in all those people, and then had that blizzard. You know, it wasn't a blizzard because we didn't get that much precipitation, but it was the gnarliest windstorm I've ever been in. Trees yeah. were we had to wait, like as we were hiking out by like you know as the snow started coming. Um, this area has a lot of beetle kill. Mm-hmm. That's like why there's all this deadfall everywhere. Yeah. Um, and uh, trees were just falling left and right dude it sounded like we were freaking in a war zone like yeah. just Dang. just huge like sketch all around us and it's like you can't not walk by a dead tree because one out of four trees is dead yeah and then so uh we make it back to our tent and the wind kind of dies I'm like okay cool whatever now it's like 
30 degrees and it's six and we're just putting on every layer we have which is cold it's not that many layers because we backpacked up there yeah and like uh so we're like in our sleeping bags by like you know eight or whatever and uh, then the wind picks up again and then at like midnight we hear a tree crash like 50 yards from our tent so then um get out and look and you're like yeah there's a couple of dead trees near our tent like this would be kind of a dumb way to go yeah. Um. So, like, through the snow and the wind, we like move our tent somewhere else, and it's all on a slope. So we had to like do some, you know, excavation yep. to like level that out, and then didn't die, which was cool. But like through that though, man, I was like, it's like, man, this sucks. I just really want to see my wife and kids right now. Yeah. You know, it's like like things that like when you just kind of feel beat down, and uh, this year too, I like had a lot of like um kind of nerves going into the season because i felt like uh like there was a little bit of a monkey on my back like last year i'd like done so well for like my first time ever doing it and i was like man i really feel like we should do it this year and like uh what if we don't and then well it still seem like i'm this like uh, yeah like in my mind up and coming semi-successful kind of like you know you can only ride that train for so long before it's like you need to see results well I- and then i just was like dude i'm like i think about elk hunting year round every single freaking day i think about elk hunting like and then i like when i was able to just kind of like sit back and enjoy it it just got so fun oh yeah i had to like i literally had to drag my butt home the last three days shut down like we had another heat wave come through yeah and i guess it shut them up like for almost the entirety of the rut like they were i i think if you were to look at like uh this unit's kind of september they were screaming opening day they were screaming all the way to like the 12th and then they kind of shut up and then they started talking again right right the day of like estrus they i guess they were talking like crazy and then wolves came through and were howling all night and then they shut up again yeah so we were kind of you know i just the whole time though man like as soon as i kind of got over that mental hump and just was able to really enjoy it, i hunted harder had way more fun yeah and it's just like you realize man you're just here for it you're way more prepared for your three your third hunt yeah this upcoming third hunt i think so you're gonna be a lot i think so too and getting to see and learn firsthand how the how every day changes Mm -hmm. with elk rut like elk rut so much harder than mule deer it's insane um like like you literally can't just buy rattling antlers calling a four by four in san diego county like like that's just like that that, that doesn't yeah. happen here but with elk that's like that's how you play the game with elk yeah um which that's like the allure for me because i'm just like trying to like wrap my mind around stalking barefoot through freaking manzanita in san diego county to kill a buck like it's rough dude i like <laughs> that just seems so intimidating for me it's like uh if i can run around like like, one of the things, you, like, you never have to worry about being, like, ultra, ultra, I shouldn't say never, but you normally don't have to be, like, popping popping sounds from you stepping on sticks is, like, normal. It's another elk. If you're, yeah, if you're, like, and I think elk kind of operate under this assumption that uh, sounds they hear are, um, oh, like, that's probably another elk, especially if you give, like, a little cow call or something like that. Yeah. yeah then, like, oh, yeah, that's Well, that's what, elk. that's what turned me that's what notified me and the group I was with that elk were coming into where we were at mm-hmm. was the popping of branches on the ground. Mm-hmm. Literally, we're we're in there, and then you hear <coughs> like you they're hear big pop, pops. Pop. They're like pop pop. It's gnarly. It was, it was crazy. It's really loud sounds because yeah. you're talking like you're like oh my gosh like that must be like a two inch diameter stick. Yeah, it yeah, sounded yeah. Big, yeah. You they know? found 
Yeah, it's, it's not. Really. But it, it's just, dude, you had a great time. Mm-hmm. You were successful in your own ways. Yeah. Right? You you got, you accomplished. The only thing you didn't do was kill an elk. Now, obviously. Yeah. And that's and, hard. I mean, it might take another couple of years before, because oh, yeah. it's uh, killing an elk with a bow. Yeah. So it's <sighs> like, you know, getting to like, getting one to come in close enough to get a shooting lane. Because a lot of stuff too that I like to hunt is like the thicker stuff. Right. Um, there's not a lot of good clean lanes in there. Yeah. You know, you, you get one in a lane, but he's quartered away and you don't have a good you clean thread shot. that needle. Dude, yeah. put it this way. Just, I'm assuming you're putting in for a point. Mm-hmm. Eventually you're going to draw a good unit. Oh yeah. Like think about that. You know, you're learning the hard lessons in public land right now. So, so when you do go to a good unit. That's why I decided to do this. Um, it was, uh, beginning of uh, last year. I, I was like, Oh, you know what I'm going to do before I die? I want to hunt. I want to hunt elk in Arizona. That looks, sounds really cool. Right. This is before I decided I want to do it with a bow. Cause I like, didn't really know anything about elk hunting. I was like, Oh, with a bow, it sounds too hard. Right. I heard Remy Warren say, he's like, actually, I think it's easier with a bow because they're much more accessible and they rut so hard that you can, um, mix it up with them while they're much more, um, you know, vulnerable. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. That sounds fun. Whatever. I'll learn archery. Wow. I don't want to have to learn archery, a new skill just to do this, but whatever. I might think about that. And then I watched the linguist and I was like, my goodness, hearing them screaming as they run around, bu- you know, bugling and fighting. I was like, that sounds really fun. And then I was like, okay, fine. I'll learn, learn how to shoot a bow and become a bow hunter. And that's, and, but it was like after I'd already decided that I want to hunt Arizona. And then it, I was like, okay, so this is like on my to-do list in life. And then I was like, listen to another podcast. And someone said, there's only so many Septembers in a man's life. Where and that's, that? where's that from? Oh, I forget. That's from Hush, right? Yeah, it might've been that. No, it's all, that Hush is, there's oh, only so many opening days. Okay. Now so, someone else, I don't, I think it might've been like Larry D. Jones or someone. He's like, there's only so many. It's September. a badass saying either way. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? This year I'm going to, I'm just going to send. Uh, and, uh, Dude, I had a blast last year, and it's, um, so, like, the whole thing was, like, too, you know, it was, like, man, if I, like, do draw, like, you know, a good unit in Arizona, and I don't don't know how to hunt elk, you, you know. What am I going to do? Yeah, yeah, well, cool, I got a great tag, but no skill set. Um, and I, I think, at the risk of sounding cocky, I think it's a matter of time before we start seeing, like, somewhat consistent success. Um, sooner yeah. or later it's no, going to happen. I, I think cocky. that's true with most people. It's like you put enough time, but I think for us it'll happen soon. I think we're, we're doing a lot of things really well and really. Dude, I used to walk in the woods with a water bottle in my back pocket and a <laughs> rifle. No, nothing else. No snacks, nothing. I'll stay out <laughs> yeah. all day. That's it. That's incredible. And I'd, I'd get pissed. Man, I didn't see anything today. Yeah, yeah. I Dude, I still I feel like that in D16. <laughs> Dude. Wow. But like now I can go out. I mean, I haven't yeah. been seeing much, but like yeah. every day I've been hunting, I've seen a doe. A little fork. I've been seeing game. Yeah. And it's just getting over that learning curve. Yeah. And Brian, you ain't even been in it that long. Dude, this this is my fourth year. There you go. And you're finding success. I mean, it. it, And it's a lot easier to find success with elk because you can, like, oh, hey, I heard elk. Oh, like, um, here it's in, here it's like, it's hard to know what you're doing wrong. Right. Because it's, you know, you could have been actually pretty close to deer, but they're just, Bedded under Check. freaking bushes all day long. Yeah, yep. you'd never know. And you never know. I equate like what you're saying, like, hey, I go out, you know, this is my second time going out of state. It's your mm-hmm. third elk hunt because the first mm-hmm. year you yeah. did too. So it's your third elk hunt. You're learning, like I said earlier, you're learning the hard lessons now mm-hmm. and you're picking up your skills to, to draw another good unit. Yeah. I equate that to like San Diego. 
you learn the hard lessons, you bust your ass, you finally find success or you're struggling to find it, but then you get an opportunity to go out of state and hunt mule deer. Yeah. And then you take what you learn here and you go out of Bro. state and you're like, man, <laughs> you <watch laughs> I'm out, in paradise man. right now. Oh, yeah. You know, like you. It, it's, it, it's just a totally different, me and Brian were talking on the way down here. And, we're, and I was like, we're passing 163 and 15, mm-hmm. and you're like, dude, there's deer all over here. Oh, yeah, man. Time, that area know? of Miramar. Yeah, dude, they get smoked. They're behind the base. They're in the landfill. They're everywhere, My right? My buddy showed me a picture of a freaking tank. Toad. Dude, there's tanks back Yeah, there. it's so funny. Right in the middle of Sandy. I like, know. you're so, like, between Mira Mesa and Kearney Mesa. Yeah. It's, and like, right there. Dude, they're right, right the there. So it's, you know. It, it's just funny because it's not legal to hunt there, guys. No, it's yeah, not. It's just, just letting you guys know. Yeah, <laughs> but we, we're we've tried, about it and we're like, man, San Diego, Southern California, D sixteen, D fifteen, D nineteen, dude. These has got to be the hardest units out there. D twelve, you know, yeah. like, dude, they got to be the hardest unit. He, Brian, said, I bet it's one of the hardest units in the country. I said you're probably right. There's not a lot of places that have uh, like a four percent hunter success rate on an either sex tag that lasts three months, right? Like, that's insane. Yeah. Dude, I mean, uh, well, I will say this, that, that either sex tag is an archery tag. But even with the gun, like the gun tag, the D16 or the muzzle loader, the M13, I think, right? That's what that one is? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, but Hit up Bill, he that's does. like a 6% success rate. That's insane. Now, if they were basing it off of uh, Johnny, OSD Birds, uh, yeah, dude, that dude, D16 would What's be like success a 99. Rate? Dude, 99.99% success rate mm-hmm. you know what i mean the guy kills two deer a year every year yeah you know yeah, so it's like what robbie's been doing yeah i mean there's a lot of guys that get it done mm-hmm. i think it's location that they hunt i think the amount of time that they hunt yeah how dedicated they are good they are at glassing and good that they are at glass exactly I'm man so glassing. It, dude, it's, it's hard good i'm good at bugling terrible at glassing i'll tell you what dude if i ever draw a good elk tag you're Dude, I might have to pay to be my caller. Dude, you can bugle, bro. Pay, just pay me with coming. I the thing is too, I'm I feel like I'm learning what to say and when to say it. Well, listen, by that uh, intro bugle that you <laughs> blew off on this podcast, man, tells me you know what you're doing. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's like the like all last year, before I even like had a tag, I was right. like, I want to learn to elk. So it was like, okay, I want to learn to elk call. Oh, I should start putting in for Arizona points. Oh, um, I should probably learn to hunt elk. Like on just some OTC unit, uh, somewhere, and then I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And so every day driving to work, I would just bugle thirty yeah. minutes there, thirty minutes back. I'd just be bugling. I'd be working on my locator, on my challenge, um, and those are those two will kind of get you through. Um, lip ball is kind of like pointless, um, and then uh, my chuckles still aren't great. Um, but yeah, it's just like that repetition. It's so fun to make that sound, and then when like. An animal hits you back, and especially if it hits you back mad, like the second half of the bugle sounds like a roar. Oh, dude, dude, it sends chills down your spine. Those videos on YouTube, like monster bulls, just beautiful. Like I've been watching Jay Scott, Jay Scott podcast, but his stories on Instagram. He's on the odd odd six or odd Uh eight, something like that ranch. Monster. There's this bull with a tine stuck in his neck, dude. It was dude, a full-on tine hanging out of, oh, and all these bulls so just rutting, rut bugling, screaming. It's just like, oh my, what am I doing? Yeah, I want to hunt elk. Yeah, elk works out. I'm bummed I didn't hunt elk this year. Obviously, I went deer hunting this year, yeah. but the, the plan was that me and John from JP Outdoors, we were gonna go. We were trying to get Brian. He's got a baby on the way, but we were gonna go. His old man hit him up and said, "Hey, you got to come do some deer hunting with me up in Idaho." Mm-hmm. So he's heading that way. It just didn't work out. But man, this is. 
I did. I elk hunted last year. I kicked myself in the pants for not going mm-hmm. this year. But I'm telling you right now, next year, without a doubt, I'm going for ten days. Heck there's, yeah! There's, I mean, dude, I I fell in love with it, and we weren't even having bull scream. We were just chasing elk on an yeah. either sex tag, and it mm. was it was it was hard, harder than it's ever been for me to hunt. Period. But the terrain we were in, it's so much different. It, yeah. You like forget the suck. Right? Like yeah. When you're doing it, Yo, it sucks. yeah, you forget the suck. Like sitting right here in your garage, we're sitting here going, man, we love oh, it. Oh, that was like, so cool. It was awesome. So you forget about it's the suck. It's a different kind of suck. The San Diego suck is like I have tiny freaking leaves in every orifice in my body and in my clothing, and I have scrapes over every square inch, of, and my, tor- and my clothes are torn up, and uh, the granite is shredding my $400 boots. Yeah. And I almost fell off of a 15-foot rock. And there was eight yep. trucks in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the San Diego suck. Uh, the I'd, I'd say the elk, the at least in the unit I hunted, it's, uh, the suck was more of just like a total like f- body beat down. Yeah, and just you get your like, ass kicked the entire time. Yeah, but the, the train's way easier. Well, the deadfall's pretty nasty. Yeah, the deadfall's This unit nasty. has really, really, really bad deadfall. Um, I just like started taking pictures. I'm gonna put a collage together. There was stuff that where it was like just messes of trees that were fully impenetrable. Like right. uh and you figure like elk just they can't use that. Like uh they they can't fit through it. Right, right. Um the stuff that's like just kinda on the ground, it's fine, but when it starts like leaning over and making a full like three dimensional maze, yeah, they yeah. don't use that. That sucks. But uh going up like like the Elk country is huge. Like you, like in San Diego, it's hard to gain. I would say it's hard to find a ridge where you gain a thousand feet elevation. Right. That's just like that's just a standard ridge in yeah. Idaho. Like kind of a small one. Like some yeah. of the big ridges are like you know fifteen, eighteen hundred feet. Yeah. Um, from the bottom of the ridge to the top of the ridge, it's just like getting up that stuff. It's just big country. It's not any steeper than right. San Diego. It's less rocky. Right. Um, but it's just bigger. It just ground more ground. It grounds you out to yeah. a point where it puts everything into perspective on how small you really are. Yeah. It makes you think twice about uh, city life. Mm-hmm. It makes you realize that, man, without modern comfort, the population on Earth wouldn't <laughs> be. And, I, and I'm not even talking like American yeah, comfort. I'm yeah. talking like if we weren't able to provide shelter for ourselves, man, we, the population on Earth would be a fraction of what it is. Yeah. Today, there's no way, man. I mean, the way that these animals survive in such wild terrain, like it's insane. And just to immerse yourself in that and be able to like embrace it on a different level than what we are talking about right oh, now yeah. on this podcast, like <laughs> it's just if you ain't experienced oh, it, experience wild. it. Makes I always wonder about how how um, first people came across it came across like the Bering Land Bridge, mm-hmm. um, like what's the current fashionable number now 17,000 years ago is what i think they yeah. say uh when people first kind of populated the americas yeah dude like through siberia yeah. with women and children nasty 17,000 years ago well, like, they were too tired <laughs> yeah with tigers and yeah, short-faced bears yeah. and all uh, kinds of stuff dude, that would just come oh. in and, but, but this is and, the and, and the thing is is you for for a weapon you have a, a flint spear like yeah <laughs> well and this is, so Man. check this out like I'll quote David Goggins. David uh-huh. Goggins says that the average person only uses 40% of their brain. Like uh-huh. they, they only use, they quit when it, the tough gets going, right? Like yeah. 40% yeah. effort, they quit, yeah. right? So those people, it's like animals. 
we are just we are all animals. We're a species of yeah. human, right? We're all animals, and at the end of the day, we are just smart enough to to you know basically perceive things in a way that allow us to think out of the box. Yeah. Right. Like we're literally just monkeys that like Joe Rogan says, ate some mushrooms, you know, a hundred thousand years ago. And our brain is a little bit bigger than what it was. And it allows yeah. us to think differently. But if we didn't think consciously and have like, uh, morals and didn't have like empathy and things like this, we would just be a bunch of animals running around doing the same thing that mm-hmm. those animals are trying to live. Yeah. Right. So our mental toughness would be there because when you're a kid, if you didn't, if you're, if your mom didn't get you to where you are, old enough or capable enough to fend for yourself which or, if you, or when you're a kid you see someone die because they because right. they weren't strong enough i right. think that'd be pretty it impressionable it, it makes it it makes you think twice yeah right yeah, and then yeah. you just become another animal on the landscape that has to survive you're either going to make it or you're not yeah you see what i'm saying yeah, for sure it, so, it's very def- definitely grounding out there when you spend yeah. a lot of time out in the back country yeah it's insane uh, yeah it's cool i came back so much happier yeah yeah yeah, I did the whole like sixteen hour drive in one shot. Like, I was oh, like, oh yeah, man, easy. Yeah, dude, yeah, that's a, yeah. Well, on the way home, you're just like, that's what. When yeah. I came back from Utah, it's like, dude, that drive is so peaceful for me. Yeah, yeah, it's so kind of nice. cool. Sorry. I dude, I was like dreading it on the way out there because I was just so full of nerves. I like wasn't in very good headspace, and I was like worried about fitness. Like I, I think the biggest thing about like San Diego suck is like, um, fitness like never is uh something that is like that big of a problem for me around here from finding right. success you know you can always go like two three miles in whatever it's not a huge deal yeah. but um there the guy who who we bumped into one of the you know that area when we bumped into four guys six miles back in we had this killer chat with this dude who was hunting solo back there he had gone in pretty far um from a different area met up where we were like from a different kind of not a trailhead because there was no trail, but like from a different access point. Um, and he had like gone far. This so guy, got- he was like Bruce, dude. He was absolutely ri- like forties, fifties, like ripped. Jet. He's like, yeah. He's like, dude. All I do is train. He's like, all I do is train for this. Right. And I was like, oh yeah, I train too, but like probably not as hard as you. And like the he was like telling us the places he went. He was doing like we did twenty two hundred feet elevation. He was doing more than that. With, like, a full camp on his back yeah, type solo. setup. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, like, I think one thing we would change. Like, uh, what we did was we hunted, we set a spike camp. We backpacked in, like, three and a half miles, set a spike camp from there, and then did day hunts out from yeah. there. And that's, like, somewhat limiting because uh, that whole general area, we think, um, got overpressured because there were four dudes running around with bows bugling. Yeah. Yep. I think kind of pushed them out of there. Uh, and then we were like, wow, now we have a three-mile or a three-hour hike out and we're just kind of killing time and we're stuck in an area and we're not very mobile. So then we opted to kind of hunt out of like have our base camp and just hit sort of some of the reverse pressure spots. Um, this one spot that we actually kind of, I hated cause it, you know, was not that backcountry spot at all. It was, um, and this is where we, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll get to it in a little bit, but this is where we had that beer gut bowl come in. Um, and, uh, that was like, three quarters of a mile from the truck in an area that probably 200 people drove by, like to go into the back country, they drove right. by this spot because it just, you know, but yet that area had elk. So we kind of hunted a lot of stuff like that. But I think there was another spot though, that we were kind of a couple drainages over that, um, you could day hike into. It was a long day hike. It was uh, near where the 420 bull was. Um, 
if we, uh, I think that would have been good for us to start carry, you know, carry camp on your back. Not that we're setting up a spike camp and trying to stay somewhere for a couple of days, but it's like that way you can hunt, you can be up where the elk are until it's dark. And right. then you're just like, okay, cool. Well, I'll sleep here. And then first thing in the morning, I'm up at, cause I mean, elk, like an elk are kind of, they're not necessarily like down in the roads where our base camp was. So it's, right. there's always some hike up to kind of their correct the elevations they're using. And, uh, so with the kind of camp on your back, you know, you know, where you kind of just said a little bivy hunt like that. So we, I think we'll do that where we just kind of do a bivy hunt, um, next year. I think that'll help us a lot, but that's, you know, that's like another 15, 20 pounds of weight on yeah. just to your day pack. So mm-hmm. that's like, you know, more weight that you have to carry. So that slows you down. It does. If you're strong, you can do it. Yeah. Like there are so many places you can go if you are fit and strong in elk hunting, um, you know, Dude. that it, will put you in success. This guy who killed one, he shot a nice six by six. We came out of an area and we're like, he was like, oh, how's it going? And we're like, oh, it's been great. We've been on bulls and we called one in last night. He's like, oh, sick, man. Yeah, so uh, I was up here and then like shot the six by six this morning. And we're like, no way. Gave him a hug, had a congratulatory beer with him. It was sick. Because he had just killed it solo. Like, yeah. he didn't have anyone to celebrate. So we gave him a high five. This guy just outworked. You know, he outworked us. Yeah, he did. Like, that was it, man. He was able to just keep going. Um, and that was a huge thing. So I think next year, I'm, I mean, it's easy to say, like, oh, next year I'm going to hit training hard. But it's like, you know, that that's like, I think, one of the biggest things that, like, Physical, fitness is key. It is when you're huge. in the high ele- elevation, you're in ten thousand plus feet yeah, elevation, dude. dude you're dude. sucking wind. Mm-hmm. You, your 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 capillaries need to be able to open up and absorb mm-hmm. that oxygen. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like you need to be able to be physically fit. Your heart rate needs to be able to drop when you get to the top of a ridge so you can recover. Yeah. And if you're not physically fit, you. I mean, I'm not gonna say you don't have any business being out there, but yeah. man, you're really doing yourself a disservice by yeah. not getting ready prior. Yeah. And that's the truth. And it takes months too. Yeah, it's it like, takes a while, dude. You need to. You, Harden your feet, yeah. Like, uh, everything, like, you know, get get those ligaments ready mm-hmm. from carrying lots of weight. I, I'll tell you, last year when we were out in the elk woods, being out of shape was not the problem. Really? Not, oh yeah, dude. That was. I went into that. Me and John, we went into that banging twenty five miles a week, running like mm-hmm. road banging twenty five. Oh yeah, there you out go. of four days. Yeah. So we're doing like on average. You know, six miles a day, five yeah. miles a day. Dude, that cardio is so huge. Dude, it is huge. Or we would do three a day, Monday through Thursday, take Friday off, and Saturday we'd go long. Yeah. Right? And, and yeah. then we're, we're taking seven, eight miles on a Saturday, mm-hmm. maybe 10 miles Dude, on a Saturday. There you but go. Leading into that, which... That's like, that's what Cam does. He lifts and he runs. Yeah. And, and that was the runs. problem that I found. Like, I, I didn't... So, two years ago, when I went to Utah and I went deer hunting... I was so freaking thin, dude. Mm-hmm. Like I'm six two. I don't know. I think I'm six two. What about? And I I think I weighed about 180 pounds. Oh jeez, yeah. thin. And I'm already yeah. pretty thin. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that was I was so thin. But that was all cardio. Like my lungs were tight. It was, it wouldn't even wouldn't didn't break me off at all. I mean, it was perfect, right? I had problem packing that deer out. Yeah. And like, oh, never again. So then leading into elk camp last year, uh, yeah, my cardio was good. I wasn't putting as many miles in, and I was putting mm-hmm. in more miles back then than I did last year going into L camp. Yeah. So uh, my cardio was good. Uh, I knew we were going to have guys that were with us that weren't as in good shape as me and John. So, like, I knew leading into that that I needed to put muscle on, and I started putting muscle on, mm-hmm. like, February. Yeah. So physically, like, strength-wise, I went in a lot stronger. And, dude, carrying my pack around, 
hiking, like my cardio was on point and the strength I had to carry all the water I wanted, all the food I wanted. Cause we were going all day and hiking back yeah. into camp. We didn't, we weren't spike camping. We had camp off a road. Yeah. So we were just to get into the elk. We were three and a half miles back every day just to get yeah. into them. And then you're running around all day, chasing them around yeah, and then so getting going, back out, you yeah, know, you're going far. Yeah. It was like 10 miles a day, dude. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. Spencer to carry all that gear, you go elk hunting and what kind of pet? I'm, I'm sitting here looking at your mystery uh, ranch. Yeah, it's a mystery ranch. I might. How's I it might, do for you? I like it. Um, I, uh, I, I really like the bag. I don't know how well the um, frame like actually fits me. Sometimes I like kind of like fidget a little bit, um, but uh, it works. It works great. Um, last year when we packed out that buck, the um, meat shelf worked wonderful good yeah and i really like the size is perfect it's like uh 3600 cc yeah yeah or whatever yeah cubic inches which is like the perfect size because like people who are running like the you know 48 or you know six thousand yeah you know six thousand it's like just dude you do not want to carry that much stuff i'm telling you now yeah it's tough so uh it's i like the fact that this when i loaded up i have i have to choose what's actually important for right. like a, yeah. you know for a backpack style hunt um and uh it does a really good job of shrinking down to day pack size and not being like a yeah, giant thing that's you know? key because you run yeah. the mystery ranch what's that the selway 60 yeah it's a good pack it's man. a good pack yeah Hell yeah it's yeah big enough for what you need oh and you for took sure. that you took that to idaho yeah, yeah, I took it. Died, yeah. uh, bought it for Idaho last That's year. And perfect, man. Works works well here. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a good bag. Um, really waterproof too. Like, because uh, when I do like, what or what I used to do was carry jugs of water in there. But yeah. then though, I have like uh, my little hacksaw. Yeah. That uh, you know, for cutting the pelvis. Um, and that like <sighs> a couple of times. Poked the yeah, holes. poked a hole in the water bottle, and then I had just like giant puddles of water. In it, like, in it. In, yeah, and it would like contain the water. I was like, oh wow, it's actually pretty good waterproofing. Yeah, nice, dude. Um, good bag. I really like the Exos though. Like a lot of people, I just got that. Yeah, how do you like it? I love it. Yeah, Great. I got the forty eight hundred, and with the lid, the lid extends. Mm-hmm. I think it goes up to like fifty eight hundred or fifty four. Nice pack, oh, that's dude. a big pack. Yeah. It's a rad yeah. pack. But like it, you can cinch it down so it's and not it all bulk. Feels, yeah, it still feels yeah. good. Yeah. Um, I had the Badlands before. That was a really good pack too, but this EXO is just yeah way better. Was it the the twenty two hundred? I had Badlands. the Badlands twenty two hundred. It yeah, was a great pack. That's like a classic. Yeah, it's yeah. a cool pack. I'd use um, it again if, if I. This one, yeah, this one's like nice. It's a good crossover between being able to do like a couple nights out and um yeah and still being a good size for and it's light too. I think I was going to get like that. Five pounds. Yeah, it's really light. I was going to get that Mister Wrench bear tooth or salt saw tooth the bigger one mm-hmm. bear tooth i think it is is it the bear tooth or saw i think bear tooth oh, the bigger one. i know they have the metcalf too the metcalf's really the, nice yeah the metcalf i think is kind of their flagship pack yeah it's a good one um yeah i like the bag uh i i it's tough because no one around here really carries all the bags so it's no, not like you can, yeah. can try them on kind of like yeah. boots it's like right. you have to kind of buy one online and hope that it fits give it a shot um i like it i don't know if it's like necessarily the best fit for me I, you know, I might like when this thing wears out in a, I don't know, hopefully a couple years, right. I might look at other options, but it's a tremendous pack. And if it fits you well, then yeah, man, you're stoked. It's a good bag. I almost got that Kafaru, the uh, 44 mag. That pack yeah. is sick. Dude. My buddy has Not that. Not cheap. He has yeah, that expensive. 44 mag right now. Yeah. Yeah. He was running around. Uh, is that what Utah Robbie has? This year. Rob has the the one above that. I think it's called the. He has a big bag, man. He has, it's not the hoodlum. It's. 
the God, I can't think about ba- it. and Rob? Mm-hmm. and Rob. Yeah, he has a sick pack. Yeah. It's huge. Same with, uh, do you know Jake Shooty? I don't know who that is. Uh, Jake SCH. He's on SCH Outdoors. Okay. Uh, he was a guy who killed the one with last year. He's about to go to Colorado on a rifle hunt. Rad. Um, yeah, he's stoked. Uh, he's yeah also running a giant Kaifaro. Yeah. Good bags. They, I mean, they're all of them really are great, good man. They all serve a purpose. Yeah. They're all good. They're all good. I mean, even that. What's that one that uh, Forking Nation runs? The outdoorsman. The outdoor. I almost. That's a really good pack too. That's that, cool. Out, outdoorsman packs. Dude, there's that one pack. I have the frame in my garage that's sitting what is that one it's the uh f1 no no it's the other frame that i have in there oh that one you you found yeah what is that one that one's uh i can't i can't dude, remember my, name. my cousin just sent it to me um it's a great pack dude it's a budget pack big time and the frame is rad was it like alps mountaineering or yeah something? yeah yeah alps is good alps. yeah i have some there yeah some dude that's stuff. uh that's a good one right there man it's yeah it is it's the Yep, the Alps Outdoors Commander Frame. And oh, pack, yeah. Dude. That, it's and like Kyle 150 Br- bucks or something. Dude, like look at it, bro. I'm telling you, if you're on a budget and you're listening to this podcast, I would, I without a doubt, would take this out in the mountains. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really bothering me. Service sucks here, bro. Pack, I have Verizon, oh. too. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it go is. figure. You're like central to everything. I know, dude, right? Dude, look I, at that thing. For yeah. 159 bucks. Yeah. Dude. And it goes to like 5500 Cubic inches or something like that. Yeah, it has yeah. a. Doesn't it have a uh, meat shelf on there? Yeah, too? yeah that pack comes off, and you you basically you put that pack in between the frame, and it's basically like an F one mainframe. Yeah, yeah. You know? I like those uh those frame packs, dude. Because I when it, this early this season, I was helping to set up a few tree stands. I mean, I would just throw the tree stand on the on the meat shelf, mm-hmm. walk right in the yeah. woods. It was, it was money, dude. Yeah, it works out great. They're they're great to have. What uh what happened with this uh beer belly? What would okay. you call it? The, the beer couple. Uh, this is because I, this was a proper herd bull that we called in. Um, so like like I was saying, we could tell that like um it was is kind of in that phase of the rut. This was September 9th. so bulls are doing you know depending on their size. The smaller ones are getting to pretend that they are herd bulls for the day or the week or whatever before they come in and get their butts kicked by the big guy, right. the proper herd bull. And then they get turned into the satellite. So basically, you know, they do all the hard work, round up all the cows, they pretend they're hot stuff. And then um, the, the herd bull is kind of on his own. So we thought that this bull was with cows. Um, this was this was that spot I was telling you that everyone was driving by. And we discovered it last year. It was, it was like one of the, it was the spot that kind of when I was e-scouting the area, it stuck out to me because it had um good timber it was a little low it was only 7600 feet and it seemed like a lot of elk were up higher um but it's hard to say because we've kind of seen elk like all th- throughout all elevation bands of this unit so we've seen them at 9000 feet and we've seen seen bulls at like you know 7400 feet so i don't know it just kind of depends on right. where what the, the 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 terrain features that they like you know um at a really nice bench uh, and I was like, wow, this looks like a killer little spot. But it's just too close to two main roads. In fact, uh, we were camped on the other side, basically the north. Um, so it's it, it this ridge kind of runs east to west with a north-facing slope that's all covered in, in timber. And then um, there's drainages on either side with the roads, you know, to the north and to the south. And we were yeah. camped in the north of it. So the um, our tent backed up against a bunch of trees that if we had gone up these up this huge ridge through these trees, we would have hit this spot. And um, 
uh, like one night actually, we had a, a bull come down, and he wo- so my el- uh, my my ringtone is elk calls, right? And uh, and then that's also my alarm in the morning. Is this, oh, yeah. is this so I you know it's great because uh, I wake up fired up to hear elk sounds. Yeah, it's yeah. just And I thought yeah, I thought I would hate elk sounds because you always hate the sound of your your ringtone. But I, I haven't yet. I've had it for a year, and every right. morning I like hear it, and I get like fired up. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I had my alarm set for like five thirty or whatever. At like four, we just hear like chuckling. I was like, "What?" And you know, like when you get woken up at four in the morning, like you don't really think straight. And I was like, "Ah, oh, it's probably that guy who came in, like yeah. who, who parked last night. It's probably some hunters, and they're probably just bugling next to their camp." Which, like, it's funny because at 4 a.m., instead of thinking, hey, that's a bull sounding off, I was like, no, it's got to be some hunters, like, next to us. He was that close to our tent. I think he was 100 yards or something like that. Uh, And um, then, like, he called again this morning at, like, 5, and then, or that same morning, like, an hour later, and my buddy was like, I was like, Dom, do you hear that? I think that was an actual bull. He was like, no, you're you're effing with me. He's like, that's your ringtone. I was like, no, my, my alarm is set for 5.30 not for five. Right, right. He's like, what? Yeah, so it's this was just a weird spot that had elk um, really close uh, that we we hunted the first day when it was 91 degrees. It went from 91, you know, like I was saying, from 91 to 10. Um, day one, we, it was just hot, and I was like, dude, it's so hot. Let's just go hang by the lake. No one's it's going to be like, no, not, like it's almost uh, stupid to go elk hunting right yeah, now. Let's yeah. just kind of go have fun and see the area because it's a very, very, very beautiful area. Like mostly used for recreation, it's like yeah. one of the m- most commonly recreated areas in in Idaho. Now I'm sure someone's gonna find what you know I'm hunting in now, but yeah. Uh, and so I, I was like, whatever, let's like burn the afternoon, go sightseeing. And he's like, no, let's go hunt. I was like, okay, fine. Uh, so we check out the spot because it's a really, you know, like I said, it's like three quarters of a mile in. It's like really easy, to, quick to get to. It's right off the road. Uh, we saw like a small raghorn like at 60 yards and i was like wow we've been in idaho for um not that long and did it go broadside no he so he bumped which was weird he didn't wind us he must have heard me like and just kind of hurt us which it was weird that he would have bumped at that i was really surprised um but he didn't he didn't go far right it it was kind of the like he jumped like you know 30 yards into some trees what? He was like, what is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of what at that. So now he's on guard. So it kind of put us in like a bad situation. And it, this was September 5th. Not super vocal yet. Like, you know, it's kind of, especially, and it was a lot of moon, really hot. We couldn't, like, I, so my first thing that I did, I heard, you know, Jason Phelps says this a lot. If an animal bumps or hits you with an alarm bark, alarm bark back at him. So I hit him with an alarm bark to be like, oh, hey, like, what was that? Right, and then thinking that he might just like be like, "Oh, hey, okay, cool, it's an elk." We startled each other, that kind of a thing. Um, not, you know, he now he knows I'm an elk, and then he'll be like, "Okay, cool, all right." Um, he like didn't respond to that, and I hit him with a cow call, and then I like hit him with a, like light bugle, and now I'm just like throwing every sound I know how to make at him, and he just kind of was like, "This is very, very, very strange." So we had him at about sixty, but he was kind of like working through timber. And we had hunted like two hours or something like yeah. that. And I was like, I don't know if I want to cut my tag on a raghorn, you. you know. Yeah, it was a good sign right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow, man, the same spot. This spot, like last year, an actual blizzard came in the last day. It dropped like feet of snow on us. Um, we got a 
motel for that night. But right as a blizzard was coming in, we just wanted to hit, we hit this spot last year and we had a bull like bugling. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Like I wasn't expecting this spot to hold. So then we came back to the spot, first first place we hit and saw, saw a bull. Wow, really good sign. Um, and then we hit it again a couple other, like a few days later, saw some cows. And then, and then, then the more, and then it was that, you know, this night we heard, uh, heard this bull, we got woken up by this bull chuckling inside our tent. And I was like, no way. Yeah. Like it's, uh, I assume that that, those chuckles came from that raghorn that we right. didn't shoot. But I was like, there's cows, there's a raghorn, there's gotta be a big bull in there. Um, and I was kind of expecting to, you know, like most elk in this unit don't like hang in an area. Like right. they're, you know, they're, they're moving. Yeah. They're, they're pushed by moving. wolves. Yeah. This spot though, just kind of, it seemed like there was a herd in there that just liked it there and they were just kind of hung there. And I was like, well, we'll keep hunting it until we don't see elk in here. Um, so we park up there, walk up. It's like kind of a gnarly hike. You do like 400, it's not gnarly, but it's like 400 feet and like, you know, 400 yards or something like that. Right. It's like, like this. Um, steep. Yeah, really steep. But then you get up there and then you're up, you're up high and that's yeah. everything below you is, or and everything is below you. So, um, uh, we, um, kind of pushed east. We went further up the hill and wanted to check some more stuff up because it's kind of a slight slant to this ridge. So we went up the slant, um, just to see if there was anything more, um, up above us. And we knew that we wanted to end kind of like last light near where we parked. So we kind of then didn't see anything there, kind of worked our way down and then uh, start working our way back down. Then around like six, we hear this bull sound off on his own, which I was like, okay, cool. Like, um, and it was in this area that we had already kind of walked through a bunch in the past two or three days. Right. Or, or two or three times we had hunt there, hunted there. So we kind of like picked him out. We thought that he was in this kind of opening on this bench where there were some aspens like around the sage flat and um it sounded like he was coming we wanted to be really um because this was a small area yeah um we wanted to be very selective about not bugling and um pushing him away until it, the time was right to hit him with the challenge sequence um we didn't want to sound like there was another bull in there that he that he would have to change his behavior for so we were just, you know, hitting him with the external reed, which produces a really loud cow call, or uh, my buddy my buddy has a really good um, diaphragm cow call, way better than mine. My cow call sucks. And uh, he would put his bugle tube up to that and just project that cow call, which doesn't make a lot of sense because I'm like, why? You never hear cow calls naturally just echoing. Why do elk like it? But they do. The bull, he kept, so he, he kept responding to that. And we were trying to, it seemed like he wouldn't cross and leave this meadow. So we thought that he was with cows. He seemed like he, he wasn't going to leave this meadow. Um, so we kind of went back and forth and he, we could tell he was coming to the edge of this kind of opening that was like two, 300 yards away. Then he would kind of go, then we heard him. It sounded like he was moving back towards, back towards, we thought he had cows. Um, and then we just shut up. We're like, okay, we need to push in a lot closer. We think we know where he is. Uh, let, so we, we um, kind of backed out and took a different route in. We kind of went up, up higher on the face of this ridge to drop down to make sure that we had perfect uphill thermal as we were coming in. Right. Um, as we start to, 
and we take like our sweet ass time as we're doing this. We are going so slow to not make any noise. We spend probably 30 minutes to go, I don't know, four or 500 yards, something like that. Yeah. Um, my buddy, his, he killed a, killed a buck with a bow when he was like 17, you know, took his socks off and I'm like, Dom, this isn't freaking mule deer hunting. Like we need to get somewhere. This elk has something to do. Like, uh, and he's like, Spencer, we have to be quiet. So we kind of like, uh, his, his attitude is like, let's be quiet. And I'm like, let's be quick. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so we're, we're pretty quiet. And I was like, dude, we need to freaking move. Um, then like on the other side on the, like this bull sounded off again. And we we're like, oh, whoa, he's like on our side of the ridge now. Yeah. And so he, he had like heard us coming like somewhat quiet, but coming at an angle where he was trying to get, we were, at the time we heard him bugle again 45 minutes later on his own, he was now on the same contour as us on the same ridge, um, the same ridge that kind of gently slopes down, it's north facing, and he is trying to go uphill, because it, you know, uphill thermal, he's right. trying to come up around to get to a place where our scent, where he'll be above us and get our, our scent being carried by the uphill thermal. So now we, we start playing this game of cat and mouse where we are trying to set up slightly above him and start our calling sequence, and, but y- while pushing in close enough that it's going to get under his hair. So, so the whole thing, I'll, I'll step back for a second. The challenge sequence works uh, when, you, when you first locate a bull. Then, you know, like what I was saying earlier about if you keep bugling as you push in, he um he's going to keep pushing away. Um the challenge the, the, the trick to the challenge sequence, according to Corey Jacobson and the little bit of corroborated like the four bulls I've called in, um, you have to push into their like into their pressure zone. The closer you are to them, the more hearing another bull bugle will make them lose their mind. So um you have to then you you locate them and this is like what's so hard is you, lo- you hear a locator bugle, and it's just like ah, somewhere in this giant 500-yard by 500-yard patch of timber, I think there's an elk. You know, it's like you have to like kind of, there's some stab in the dark of guessing which stand of trees that bugle came out of. But you have to start pushing in there, and, and, and then like once you get into about 80 yards, as they say, kind of where where they'll like lose their mind if another bull is that close. It's kind of a, I've heard Jason Phelps and Corey Jacobson both give this analogy. It's like if you're, if you're walking with your lady and you see just some tweaker on the road or on the sidewalk, you will be able to avoid the situation, grab her, turn around and walk away or like move to the other side of the street. You can avoid the situation. But if you're at a restaurant sitting at your table with your mask on now or whatever because it's COVID. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, at a restaurant, yeah, I remember those days. Um, and then someone walks up to the table and then goes ballistic on you. Yep. You have no... Fire like, flight. You, you just... You, there's And flight's out of the option. Like, there's going to be a problem. There's going to be a confrontation. So that's kind of the idea with coming in silent and then hitting them yeah. with, uh, with the challenge sequence. They will just kind of feel cornered and then they'll lose their mind, and and they'll just they'll just fight. And you trigger that that like kind of that instinct where they are no longer thinking; they're just reacting. Um, so we're trying to close. 
we're trying to get above this bull as he's moving up on us trying to get our wind and we're trying to move up on him to prevent that while moving towards him and getting into a place where we think he'll be and we think we'll be close enough to then hit him with because the whole time we haven't bugled once so he thinks it's just a cow and uh, he's moving a lot too so we know he's a he's a he's a herd bull because the day before when we got wolfed um, we knew that that um, that another bull was with cows so we assumed it's you know the small ones are with cows the big ones are still kind of roaming I mean unless he's like a spike or a raghorn right. but this guy wasn't um, he, he and he we could tell too like he had that kind of big roaring bugle like he, he was a big bull who wasn't with cows so we pretty pretty confident that he was he was mature so um we like for like 40 minutes you know so we spent 40 minutes like trying to stock in on him and then another 40 minutes playing kind of cat and mouse as we're moving up this ridge towards the actual you know, knife edge ridge top of it and eventually we get to about 100 yards from the ridge top i can see i can see through the trees i can see the the outline of it and i'm like okay cool he's not going to go any higher He's not going to skyline himself. It's seven thirty now, and and um, and we've also kind of pushed close enough, like you know, laterally on contour with him, right? That we think that um, if I hit him with a challenge bugle, I think he'll respond back and he'll he'll come into fight. So, uh, and and we also think we know which lane he has. We have an area that's like somewhat open like enough to give some good shooting lanes but also kind of like tight enough where i can like tuck behind several young trees i've got something to rake i'm out of line of sight like he'll come towards me or he'll keep coming towards me and walk by my shooter at least from like the patch of timber where we last heard him call from and uh yeah this is a good spot the only issue was the only thing that we didn't feel great about is it sounded like he was maybe a hundred yards away last time he sounded off. It would have been nice to be a little closer, but I was like, at this point, screw it, let's go. Hit him with a cow call. He screams. I cut him off with the challenge bugle, like loudest, meanest challenge bugle I can, and uh, just nothing, like just dead silence. It's like, oh, wow. scared him off, dude. I I, I just was like, fuck. Dude, I scared him off. I like we should have been closer um to do that. But then I was like, you know what? Like I'm just gonna like keep going with it for a little bit longer. A couple more cow calls. Well, like a lighter bugle. I hit him with kind of a locator bugle. Then a display bugle. Like, you know, kinda I shouldn't say lip balls are, are pointless because they're good for kind of setting the mood. Um if you want to like if you're cold like cold calling's another thing. If you're like eating lunch and you wanna keep you know, elk hunting while you set up somewhere and eat, you, you do what's called cold calling. You just a couple cow calls, bugle, a few more cow calls, another bite of your sandwich. Like, you know, you just kind of create this sort of atmosphere of um, there's elk here doing elky things. And um, if you have, uh, you know, a bullet just kind of roaming around, he might come check it out. Right. Um, so uh, this, is, this was, you know, we're kind of in, in a challenge sequence, but he didn't necessarily hit me back with a hard challenge. So I kind of resort to this sort of like creating an atmosphere of um, just elkiness happening and kind of excitement. Um, some chuckles. And uh, the, honestly, it was like the best chuckles I've ever sounded. I was like, wow, those sounded so good. Thank you, Lord. Uh, and um, raking, dude. Raking works like so 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 well uh earlier in the trip i raked 
I called in um, it, uh, called in a freaking Forky for my buddy. Like a mule deer Forky for him Whoa, to like 60 for, yards oh, yeah. with just raking. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, dude, animals freak out to that. that. That first bull too that I called into 32 yards, like what sealed the distance on that was when I was raking, you know, right. and not holding my bow. Um, so I'm, you know, doing all this stuff and, um, y- you know, no popping sounds. Like it's, I just, it sounds like the elk vanished. And then I start to like look over at my buddy to be like, dude, what the hell happened? And I, and as I look over, I hear one big stomp and I just see this animal turn around. Like he was, dude, he was, I ranged it after he was 62 yards. He, he got in and he, and he took a different, there. he took a different route. Right. And what the one thing that we didn't assess is we thought he would come straight in. We forgot that he would take that J right. and he would, that he would continue to work higher. Yeah. And he came in at a slightly higher angle. My buddy was watching it the whole time. He said he had him at, he, he said he had him at 60. So the issue was, is he kind of, you know, we, we were thinking this bull would come in on contour. And so um, my, I staged my buddy kind of like, uh, you know, 60, you know, 40 yards, like away from me on the same contour as me. And, or maybe a little downhill too. Right. Um, you know, something like if, if this makes sense, this bull kind of came up and formed a triangle where he was the same distance from me as the caller as it was, as he was from him as the shooter. Um, and, uh, so he was about 65 yards from, from each of us. He never got a clean shot, but when he spooked, all I could just think about was how big his gut was and how huge his, his, his ass was, man. This was like a monster bull, just a really, really, really good bodied bull. Like mature bull. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like I, I think what I like to think what caused him to kind of come in was, you know. He, he when I hit him with that challenge with, with that challenge bugle, he was probably oh that's cute. Some little raghorn has cows and thinks he's hot yeah, shit. Yeah. Uh, and um, so he came in looking to kick my butt, and uh, then realized you know lesson he, learned, man. Th- yeah, and, the, and it, was, it was cool too, man. I I just like couldn't do anything but like t- you know it was like a chess game. It was like an hour and a half chess game, and I was just like, dude, hats off to you. You're like uh. This I'm sure that's not the first time this this bull has ran come into in. Yeah, ran into hunters. Yeah, there's no way. Like, I mean, he didn't get his belly so big by getting by being dumb. Yeah, you know how big mm. was his rack? Did, could, could you tell? Couldn't tell. I'm sure it probably it was at least a good five. Least, um, yeah. But that was cool though. Like, and and as as heartbreaking as it was to see him run out of our life, um. I'm not sure if he saw me looking towards my buddy. The thermals started getting squirrely because it was 7.30. I was just going to ask you, do you take mental note of what the wind was doing? Uh, I'm not sure if he caught my wind. I'm, yeah, like when we set nice. up, oh, yeah, I've got on my chest rig, I have the uh, the Joe, the Smoky Joe ambush yeah. or whatever. I go through one of those every couple days. That's what I'm saying. So Yeah, like, I'm always the, puffing that thing. The next situation that you're in like that mm-hmm. make you think twice. Well, you don't realize it's just what, it's dude. just hard because if, if yeah you have to kind of like you like you can't once you're set, like when we set up we we checked it the wind was good it, yeah and then it's you can't just unset up like 
you know, you just sort of have to pray that while he's coming in, that it just stays true. I think I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you guys knew he was trying to cut you guys off to get your win. So the next time you're in that situation where you got a bull walking up, trying to cut you off, get your win, you might position your butt higher than where you're at. No, um, he, we were still clear on the wind. He never, like if the wind had stayed the direction, cause it was kind of, it was at right cheek. So, so, you know, uh, is uphill thermal. Like if you imagine us looking on contour with, um, you know, on this ridge, it oh, was yeah. basically at my cheek, but also kind of like kind of towards my eyeball. So there yeah. was, it wasn't a straight uphill. It was uphill and sort of back. Yeah. Back so it was good. Good win. Yeah. But what happened? And so I was like, okay, we have plenty of margin to play, even if he does come in a little high. But what happened though? It was it was evening, so it was starting to get a little shifty. Yeah. And so, I think, um, I think what happened was, you know, like when we set up, the thermal was good. Like I, I checked that. I always make sure that we had plenty of margin. If, if, um. He came in at a slightly different angle, but it was just that, that kind of last light sort of when things start going squirrely, which is hard because you kind of, you don't know when, like we, we, we puffed it after he busted and it was like all of a sudden going downhill. And then a minute later, you know, I was so excited. I just started like grab my phone and filming. I was just like, this is where he came in. This is where we were sitting. I remember that crazy. Yeah, I know. Um, and then after I was done with that video, I puffed it again and it was back uphill. Yeah. It was just kind of that like, dude, listen, man, it's hard. You're brand new at it. The best elk hunters in the world get spanked by elk all the time. Oh yeah. It's just, you're in their environment. It's great. It was a great learning experience, mm-hmm. man. And, and great stories. And the, the fact that we were able to stay with this bull for like an hour and a half and eventually get him to come into our, our setup, I, I couldn't do anything but hold my head up high yeah like this wasn't some little raghorn that we kind of yeah. like he was just like totally desperate you know for some elk booty it was, this was a seasoned herd bull we called in after a long exchange and a long game of like us trying mouse, to yeah. yeah cat and mouse like it was uh i was like wow dude this was this wasn't just us like happening to luck into a bull who was in a bad mood one day yeah. This was, uh, you know, and like that was kind of like my, you know, I thought I was hot stuff when I called in that first one or those first two. Um, I was like, oh, dude, uh, elk calling is easy. I can do it all the time. And then I was, you know, got kind of got, you know, got humbled. Humble, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. 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 But, you know, like this, I was, you know, I was like, you know, especially like uh, when I went back for, you know, for peak rut last year, I was like really humbled by it. You know, elk, elk were like, cool, yeah, you're over there and you're talking. I'm not going to come in. Like, no. it's like, how do you make a move? Ah. Um, this time, you know, I was able to make a move and I was able to make him come in. And uh, I just thought it was, you know, pretty skillfully done. That's awesome. Like, we, uh, we, we didn't assess the fact that we set up 40 yards from uh, an extremely well-traveled game trail. Yeah. And that game trail is what allowed him to come in dead silent. Dude, yeah. you could hear freaking squirrels dropping pine cones, but you couldn't hear you this couldn't hear him on 750 that. pound bull coming in dead silent on powder. Yeah. Man, it was, <laughs> you know, he's just taking his time. I've been down here before. Yeah. Let's check this oh, out. I wish man, I could have I wish I could have watched him sneaking in, dude. It's like dude. there are these 700 800 pound animals like just like tippy-toeing around. You know, dude, giant you, antlers are so goofy. I used to tree stand hunt in the oaks and, and the pines and all that. Mm-hmm. And 
early morning, it's still dark, and you can't really see if there's no moon out. Yeah. You can hear deer or whatever walking, stepping over those oak leaves. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that. It's just a dead scent. Like, so you'll, you'll be sitting there hunting in, in the daytime. You hear that. You're like, okay. Here comes a deer. Here yeah. comes a deer. You just hear you know? that. Just mm-hmm. certain, certain, certain areas. Well, the cadence to it. Yeah. yeah it's got, a it's got like a cadence. Yeah. Yeah, we heard, an, I was woken up one morning, an elk walking down, because you know how we were camped on the yeah. other side of this drainage, and then the one where I called up, where I called in those bulls, where we saw the wolf, that was on the other side of the drainage that um, we were camped in. And uh, we, I heard a bull, or uh, I think it was a bull because it was only one animal. I don't think there's a lot of cows running around solo. But um heard an, an elk. It sounded big and it had that kind of, yeah, you know, just that like, it's like they know where they're going, but they're kind of, yeah. there's not like a, there's not too much of a speed to it. Yeah, they're just kind of mulling around. Well, yeah. listen, listen, dude. We appreciate it, bro. Thanks for... Dude, this was so fun. Dude, it was a great time, man. We got, got you on the podcast. This is so fun. I'm glad I could talk elk dude, for hours. We're, we're gonna, I think this covered everything that, like, uh, I, that I like you, had to say. I'll tell you right now, we're definitely going to get you on the podcast again, dude. <laughs> yeah. You're a great conversation <laughs> oh, piece, man. You. I was actually going to tell you that uh, there's a biologist we're trying to get on, and man... You should come oh, I, on with us. I would geek out to that. I met a dude out there, a uh, super rad dude. Um, when my buddy left, I still wanted to keep hunting, and I had more days. Right. Uh, so I met up with this guy who is a wildlife biologist. Um, dude, those guys are so freaking they're, cool. Dude, they're yeah. smart. They're cool. They got the in and outs of everything. Yeah. The conversation we could have with them, it'd oh, be great, man. I'd love it. Yeah, I'd absolutely. It. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, I of think course, dude. If I can say one thing, if you guys, if anyone listening to this has ever dreamed of hunting elk with a bow, just go buy a tag and buy the Corey Jacobson course and go through that and get ready. Buy, buy some calls um, and learn how to elk call, do the course, and just go have fun. It's extremely exhilarating. Yeah. And it's not that hard. Like most of those units don't have great success rate, but it's better than your eight. Then your A twenty two tag. Oh yeah, for sure. You yeah. can't can't kill a bull on the couch. No, you can't. No, if you, you don't, can't. you can't kill a bull in San Diego. So get out of yeah. it and go for yeah, it. Man. Exactly. You you can't you can't hear elk beagles either in San Diego County. That's the thing. That is the thing, and buddy. You, you don't have to be Daryl Sloan either to go hunt elk. Yeah, with yeah. a bow. Like know, it's man. not something that you have to be this extremely I'm sure successful hunter. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, he does okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like like you can kind of start from not a lot of background and have a lot of fun doing yeah. it. There's a lot to read. D16 is hard, dude, because there's it's not like you can read books on nope. that people have put out on hunting deer here, but. You know, that's why you tune into San Diego Muleys. Yeah, <laughs> San Diego Muleys. Listen to this D16. podcast. Yeah, listen yeah. To us. There's there's a wealth of information out there. Go buy a tag, go have fun, and go hear some bugles. Without a doubt, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the podcast, dude. Dude, thanks for having me. No problem, dude. We're gonna get out of here. We got two hours and six minutes on this one, bro. That's a oh, good man. one. That's a long. <laughs> one. That's a good, that's a good one, one, man. Yeah. Right on, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us. All right, see ya.